But what happens if you do get exposed to a great deal of fallout? Food or water has been contaminated by the dust, internal damage may occur. When dust has been left on skin, there will be skin burns. When you have been near dust too long, there may be radiation sickness. Exposure can even cause death. If you have had considerable exposure, you will vomit and grow weak. But after a few hours, this sensation will pass. And by the next day, you may have had the last of it. Even if you have been exposed to excessive fallout, you may eat and drink just as you normally would. But don't force yourself. Whether you have had these symptoms or not, if civil defense radio announcements have said that radiation has been high in your section, keep an eye on your condition for the next few days. Watch especially for these developments in the two weeks following exposure. Return of nausea. Sore throat. Bruise spots developing without any known reason. Loss of hair. These conditions, or nosebleed, or diarrhea, should be reported to a doctor or to the nearest first aid station set up under civil defense plans. Unless civil defense teams have warned that your area is still dangerously radioactive, you can get out and work to help yourself and help others. And don't be discouraged. Your government is here to help. That's wonderful. Why, hello, it is six minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and it's the month of December in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the lushly appointed and fallout-ridden studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program. That's wonderful. And even though your hair has fallen out, even though your bowels have liquefied, you have uncontrollable diarrhea. You have had to kill your friends and loved ones to keep food for yourself. Don't be discouraged. That's like the that's like the nuclear equivalent of that menstruation thing we played yesterday. Where is it? Stand up straight. Don't be such a girl. You're allowed to bathe. Keep that big smile on your face. It's worth a million dollars. <laughs> Genius. All right. Why, uh, hello, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are uh, here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. It is uh, Thursday, and welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503 You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T. At 970.am. If you watch that video, by the way, that and again, just like the thing yesterday about mother, what's a period? This radiation thing we we're just playing is actually a, it's a real public service cartoon, believe it or not. And how weird that they decided to use cartoons to illustrate such things. I mean, I know it's horrifying and all that your friends have been vaporized in a nuclear blast. And that you're just sitting looking into the mirror every day watching your teeth crumble into powder. But don't be discouraged. No, and here's a jaunty little cartoon to put a smile on your face. Everyone loves cartoons. 
So there's this guy in the cartoon. He kind of looks like um. He kind of looks like uh like that time for timer guy maybe or no how about this the guy in the Fallout cartoon he sort of looks like if you remember the Pink Panther cartoons uh where it was the actual panther and then there was the guy who was sort of the Clouseau in the cartoons but he was really short and and a huge like a nose that took up the whole, the whole front of his face and he was really round do you remember that guy from the Pink Panther cartoons? That's what the guy in the Fallout cartoon that we just played looked like. <laughs> Your hair may fall out. It's this great thing of him standing in front of a mirror, reaching up, touching his hair. The hair all comes off in his hand. Oh, and then a giant toupee or something? Yeah, and then, yeah, exactly. And then he looks in the mirror, and like a little question mark appears above his head. Like, why is this happening? All right. Well, in any event, it's from a simpler time. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Seven three three two nine seventy. Richard Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the absurd. Uh, here's what's uh, coming up today. Seeing a radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins. Uh, <coughs> pardon me. Well, you know the problem with this dry cough that I can't quite seem to get rid of. It sneaks up on you. I know it sounds gross. I'm coughing into the microphone. I'm not doing it intentionally. Sometimes you know you. It's like with a sneeze. Sometimes you can tell the cough is. But hold on, I'm going to cough. Sometimes though. And because then I don't feel sick anymore. I don't have any other. Uh, my hair isn't falling out. I don't have uncontrollable diarrhea. But I have just the, the tiniest bit of a dry, dusty cough, as though I've swallowed a small tumbleweed in the back of my throat. And the thing about it is, happens. I don't know. Every ten minutes or so, I get kind of a. Ugh. But, but there's no warning. Like it just sort of leaps out of my throat, fully formed. Anyway, it's like my. Uh, it's like my larynx is some sort of a. Uh, my larynx is some sort of a flatulent jack-in-the-box. You know what I mean? So anyway, uh, <coughs> and it just comes right up. Well, in any event, we don't have a squeaky door anymore. Matt, the engineer, came and oiled the hinges. Really? Yeah. He did. Hold for, the, on. for the radio play. Let's test that right now. Hold on. I'm gonna. All right, let's... Uh, if you can drop the mono bit. We're going to open the door. My God, it's completely silent. It is not squeaky at all. Uh, I don't like that at all. Nah, see, Something less, feels wrong. There's less ambience in the room. Very now. wrong. Hey, at least the door handles still don't work, though, so we got that going for us. Uh, there was this great moment... Get locked inside again today. There was this great moment yesterday, and then I swear to God we'll discuss what's coming up with today's exciting broadcast. There was this great moment yesterday where I think I was coming back from the bathroom, and I grabbed the outside door handle here <clears throat> right off of my hand. That was followed about 20 minutes later after that had been fixed by Sarah or somebody grabbing the inside door handle. <clears throat> that came right off. So the good news is, at some point, you know, people keep saying, we ought to have a five-hour show. You ought to have a nine-hour... You may have no choice at some point. We may just be trapped in here one of these days. And you know, and while the air slowly runs out, our final broadcast is 12 hours long. So, anyway, Lisa Desjardins will join us from the Hill today. Steve Kastenbaum joining us from New York City. Believe it or not, we're still talking about what's-her-guts that slept with the guy in that place. The, oh, uh, no. Miles O'Brien just got laid off. How much Brian got laid off? Miles O'Brien. That is not right. They have... CNN is shuttering its science and technology unit, and Miles O'Brien was that unit. Wait, let me, let me understand this. They're not just shuttering science, and they're not just shuttering technology. They are, in fact, shuttering science and technology. And Miles O'Brien is the casualty there? Yes, you know, he's got a perfect head of hair. He's called a veteran space correspondent. <laughs> okay, well, look, as much as I love Miles O'Brien, as much as you like, much as you hate to see CNN trim back in any way, 
It seems like if you're a veteran space correspondent, maybe there's not quite as much call for that as there would have been, oh, I don't know, ever. So I, that does seem like a place where maybe there's not quite a lot going on. I mean, how many memos could really come out of the space department at CNN right now? That seems like a necessarily finite amount. That was amount his job? Of, he was the senior space correspondent. Mm-hmm. What are you really supposed to do with that when, when you're not going into space? I mean, when everybody's just sitting around, uh, you know, uh, talking about General Motors. Well, that sucks. He anchored the morning news for a while. He was good. No, he no. And again, I can't stress this enough. Perfect hair. I mean, Miles O'Brien has a, really a flawless quaff. All right. Well, uh, so in any event, we're going to talk about the uh, we're talk to Steve Castamam about that, uh, that that hooker that slept with Elliot Spitzer. I guess she's got a new job, and we're going to pretend to care, and then we're all going to agree that that's the last time we ever talk about it. Uh, we'll talk to senior radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins today about our good friends at Ford General Motors et al. Uh, let's see. What else do we have coming up today? Top five. Because uh, Britney Spears is uh, apparently ha- in the midst of yet another comeback. She's coming to Tacoma. New record out. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, we'll do the uh, top five comeback albums today. Top five comeback records. Another installment of uh, the greatest songs ever made. Don't forget, friends and neighbors. Yes, Rick? Today... One lucky random on-air caller will win run of engagement passes to Rock and Roll Up. The new Guy Ritchie film. In London, a real estate scam puts millions of pounds up for grabs, attracting some of the city's scrappiest tough guys and its more established underworld types. Page 2. All of whom who are looking to get rich quick. While the city's seasoned criminals vie for the cash, an unexpected player, a drugged-out rock and roller, page 3, presumed to be dead but very much alive, have a million dollar, has a multi-million dollar prize fallen into his hands. Just some enthusiasm. It's Rock and Roller, the brand new film written and directed by Guy Ritchie. And yes, you, 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 win a pair of run-up engagement passes. That is one random on-air caller today. All right. On that note, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. A religious TV channel is rebranding itself using the devil in its logo. And that's wonderful. It's like a happy cartoon devil. It is. Mm-hmm. A Longview man beats his father with a club. A brazen, brazen Gresham burglar makes a ham sandwich and uses the bathroom. A man uses a Bible to rob a Tacoma bank. Domestic automakers spent $15 million lobbying Congress in the first nine months of this year. AT&T will cut 12,000 jobs. NBC will show 800 the door. Mississippi is no longer America's most sickly state. A-Rod is already cheating on Madonna. <laughs> Teenage girls are charged with groping nursing home patients. Uh. And they're good-looking girls, too. I don't know why they had to do that. Uh, Hitler's maid claims he was a charming man. This charming man. <laughs> really? All right. You know, can I tell you this? Here's a phrase we don't use very often. We had a great Nazi joke sent to us yesterday, and and we didn't get a chance to read it uh, because we were sort of busy with other things. The Fox News Channel does Nazi stories every day. Is it? Well, There's I, always something about Hitler on the Fox News Channel website every day. I, I, my guess would so be stop by Hitler. I barely knew her. My guess would be that there's been some sort of a study, and I'm just this is, this is my observation here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my guess would be that they've done some sort of a study about images, words, phrases, something you can put on the screen that will stop. People from flipping the channels, so even momentarily. They have a Hitler desk. No, but maybe Miles O'Brien could go work at the Hitler desk. Um, and now Hitler correspondent. Busier than Miles the space O'Brien. Desk. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? I think, like for example, if I'm fl- and we've talked about my Loch Ness monster thing. If I'm flipping by and I see something on the Loch, I mean I'm 35 years old. 
If there's something on the Loch Ness Monster or something on D.B. Cooper, I'll stop and I'll watch it. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter how pointless it is. doesn't matter if I was on my way to watch something better. doesn't matter if I'm late for work. If I'm, you know, there's something on television and they show the Loch Ness Monster, I'll sit there like a moron on the couch and see whatever it is. So I think they probably have done, in fact, I would be astounded if they hadn't done this, some sort of a focus group where they try to figure out what it is that will stop people from flipping past channels. Because now in sort of the TV-ification of America, you know, now more than ever, it is important because very rarely do you get people just... Ch channel surfing is rapidly becoming a thing of the past. We do imagine. that all day long while we're working. I mean, that's it. The, uh, the only thing I can imagine that is emerging to replace channel surfing is this sort of listing surfing, by which I mean you bring up that on-screen TV guide. Like on TiVo, you hit the you know the, 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 the listings button or whatever, and it shows you everything that's going to be on TV. And you'll sort of scan through that. You'll go through all the channels. Or maybe you'll go pick one channel and just see what's on for the next nine days on history or whatever. But the idea of just sitting there and flipping through the channels, that's a thing that I think people are doing much less than they did five years ago. And I'm guessing in ten years they won't do it at all. So they're going to have to find some other way to lure in the casual non-viewer. Um, so, uh, so I'm speculating that they've gotten some group of eggheads in a room somewhere and they've come up with a list of things that if they're on the screen like when a guy between the ages of 18 and 44 flips by and he sees I don't know a monster truck he'll stop and he'll watch for a few minutes and I'm guessing I'm just saying speculating it from a marketing sense that Hitler is one of those images that is so powerful if a guy's flipping by and he's you know Ginsu Knife George Foreman uh, you know Susie Orman Hitler hey wait a hold it hold go back to that Hitler thing for a second just to see what it is because I mean, it's like if you turn on a History Channel, I swear to God, it's th called History Channel now. They took off the the, they it, changed their image. It's just History Channel. Yes, no more the. You know what it is? It's also the uh, it's, it's, a, space. it's the channel for something else that starts with an H too. Because every time I turn on there, there's a you know there's Edward Herman going, and as Hitler's army swept across Europe, he left a trail of devastation in his wake. And you just know that there's a whole bunch of guys sitting at his home. favorite donut recipe. Yes, on a sofa somewhere, just shoveling wheat thins into their mouth and watching yet another documentary about Nazis. So, anyway. If there was more about Stalin, I'm sure people would stop for that, too. You know, here's the thing. I watch a lot of Stalin, and there just isn't that much. And he, he was just as cruel, if not as cruel, as Hitler. Can I make this? This is the last thing I'm going to say about Hitler, and then I'll read this thing from Susan Reynolds. Then we're going to move on. Okay. I don't wish for it to be an all... Hitler... Hitler and joke program. Um, I will say this. Really, Stalin? Stalin is the cracked to Hitler's Mad Magazine, really. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of just in terms of cultural presence on you know, on television and documentaries and so forth, it's always Hitler. You could you know, sometimes you see something about Stalin, but you get the feeling it's sort of an afterthought. You know, like they make an intern put that stuff together. Which is too bad because I myself I'm a big fan of the Man of Steel in a certain horrible way. Well, well I, I think Russians are expected to be brutal even today. I mean, Germans are not. They've been by yes. It's so it's not really that much of Stalin. Really, is just playing right into what playing right into expectations. All right. Well, in any event, um, this is going to be my final Nazi observation for the entire week. Not just for the maybe for the year. We may just take the rest of the year off in terms of Nazi. Uh, Nazi uh, musings. This is from Susan. This is from Susan Reynolds upstairs. Susan's allowed to say these things. None of us in this room can make this joke. Susan Reynolds can make this joke. Yesterday, no lie, we had the story about some guy, some nutcase pastry chef who was making, I swear to God, gingerbread Nazis. Right. Also from the Fox News chat. Really? Yeah. <laughs> cue, uh, cue John Belushi saying, I hate gingerbread Nazis. Um. So there was this new story about some guy in Ohio 
making gingerbread Nazis at his bake shop mm-hmm. for Christmas. For, for well, why not, Tim? I mean, if it you're not the if, <laughs> if you're not going to make them at Christmas, when would you make them? Susan Reynolds, again, who is allowed to make these jokes, emailed me immediately. I didn't get a chance to read it, but literally like 30 seconds later, I had this email from Susan Reynolds. Susan says about gingerbread Nazis. Re gingerbread Nazis. Does it strike you as ironic that those gingerbread Nazis had to be put in an oven? Just saying. There you go. That's Susan Reynolds. She's allowed to make those jokes. I'm not. Susan Reynolds said that. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. We won't let uh, Mrs. Reynolds know that her daughter makes such jokes. That would probably uh, go over badly. She'd be all verklempt. You know, I had this whole thing planned for Thanksgiving, too, where Susan was uh, Susan was going to go back uh, home because she went home to visit her, uh, her, her family for Thanksgiving. She was going to take a, a little recorder with her, um, and she was going to have her mom uh, record like a Yiddish word of the day. Didn't really come together. So Next time, maybe. All right, so there you go. Blah, 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 gingerbread Nazis, blah, 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 baked in an oven, blah, blah, blah. It's uh, 503-733-2970. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you today? Hello, I'm doing well. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> then we're done. Nothing very thrilling in my life right now. All right. Well, that's, I'm running a little bit behind today anyway. I got all of this. Uh, I got all this crap to get through here. I mean, not crap, just stuff. I just it, Thursday, as we always say, if there's a day that I'm running behind, a day I don't get the matrix done, it's Thursday. Oh, we do have a special guest though today. Remember? Yeah. Uh, we well, we have a couple people coming in today, so we're going to uh, talk to Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, later on the two o'clock hour, we'll have a. Uh, a few minutes with Dennis Pitsenbarger, uh, host of Miles Around, which is Saturday 9 to 11 right here. We'll talk to Dennis. And then the Found Film Festival. Have I got that right? Is found, that the correct name? Found Footage. Found Footage Film found. Festival. Uh, and we talked to these guys last year. It's coming back again. So we're going to talk to somebody from the Found Footage Film Festival, which is exactly what it sounds like. I mean, it's a film festival of just film and video and sort of film strips that they just find on a shelf somewhere. Stuff that is just... Like in thrift stores or at like garage sales. Yeah, yeah. Or they just find it like in a box in a basement underneath an afghan somewhere. So, I mean, it, it's pretty fascinating stuff. And I watched some of it last year, and they sent us in it like a little screener DVD this year. So, like so, boomers peddling tricycles around housing developments, that type of thing. Or just, you know, like, like, those, like safety work videos. It, like well, those yeah. Ones. yeah, or a lot of that stuff. A lot of that stuff, like the, uh, you know, with Fallout. Your they hair like, may fall out. Yeah, I'm looking at this. Like, they have, a, they have an exercise video montage. On your training videos, religious medleys from the Clown Ministry, Freddy for Jesus, Christian Karaoke, all yeah. kinds of good stuff. So it's a, lo- it's a lot of videos that were made for whatever purpose over the years, some of them commercial purposes, some of them not, and, and they were just sort of lost, and then they were discovered like in a trash can somewhere or, you know, in the back of some guy's dresser, and then you put them all together and make a film festival. It actually is really, really great. So, uh, so we'll get to that as well and uh, so forth. Oh, by the way, just this isn't really a question, it's just an observation. I don't really understand how the English language works sometimes. I mean, I'm the first one to come here and start yelling at people about the serial comma and so forth. I mean, there are times when the English language is just a mystery to me. And such a time was 7.39 p.m. last night. I was at Lloyd Center Mall, always an excursion into amusement. So I'm walking around the... Oh, by the way, one observation, the food court then this observation. No. What? Wait, did you say you went to the Lloyd Center Mall? Yeah. Oh, no, I thought that maybe you went and eat in the food court. Why would I be... Why would I be eating at the Lloyd's Center Food Court? Are know, you projecting you have... because you recently did that? No, no, I wish. No, because you and Laura are always looking for trashy places to eat, so I, was, I figured maybe you had dinner there or something. I didn't, but you know, I didn't, but you know, when I go to the Lloyd's Center Food Court, you know where I do eat is that Cajun Grill. That's where I, uh, that's where Rick Emerson eats. I like uh, the Thai place. I get Pad Thai at the Lloyd's Center Thai Food place court. is all right. Um, so I'm walking around Lloyd's Center Mall, and you have to, by the way, you have to walk past all these kiosks that are set up now. 
You know, it's not just regular stores, and it's not like a seasonal store. There are kiosks in the middle where it's like, you know, like for like a cosmetic thing or like an acne thing or like, hey, let me stitch your girlfriend's name onto a badly made hat, all that kind of stuff. If you go to the Lloyd Center Mall, you'll notice now they no longer say, would you like to buy a hat? They no longer say, you want dog's face on picture? You know, on, on shirt? I put on shirt. They don't do that. You know what they do now? When you walk by the kiosk at Lloyd Center, they say, sir, can I ask you a question? Because they're banking on the fact that your sense of etiquette, your sense of decorum, will mean that you say, uh, sure. And then, of course, then they just try to reel you in. So beware now. You go to the mall. They're no longer just saying, like, can I sell you some crap for your acne? They're not always saying, hey, look, would you like your name carved on a grain of rice? When you walk by, they say, can I ask you a question? Because they know that the human instinct, because we're basically a polite people, mm-hmm. you walk by the instinct is to go, yeah, sure. Then it's just, then they just start setting the hook. So, I just run away from those people. No, no, no. But here's what you don't. You want to know something more satisfying? This is what I do now. And if you want to think I'm a jerk, think I'm a jerk. I do this because it amuses me and it makes the question go away. Have a response prepared. And so when you go to the mall, as I did last night, I'm walking by. And they're, and they're just they're such pushy, obnoxious people, too. And I know, I know everybody got to make a living. But, I mean, you know, just uh, it, 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 does, it does get a little uh, wearing. It becomes a chafing thing after a while. So about the third time I walked by somebody, and clearly they've all spread the word. That's the thing. is, It's not just one place. They've all learned it. They all figured it out now. Yeah. It's like in Vegas how they used to try to hand you those, those hooker brochures. Now they don't hand them to you. Now they do this thing of going and slapping them against their hand to get your attention. I but, always run for my life every time I see them. But it's like in one, but somehow the memo went out. Like in one day, they all figured it out. They all knew it. So at the mall, they have all figured out when you walk by to go, Sir, can I ask you a question? So now... And I tried this last night, the great and satisfying effect. When I walk by and some, uh, you know, some pushy, uh, shrill-voiced young lady says, Sir, can I ask you a question? I say, only if it's about waffles. <laughs> and then they just kind of stop. And then there's that <laughs> in the head where all the gears lock up and they can't quite speak. And then I say, well, sorry then. And then I walk on. My friend has a response like that, except for if he gets asked the question, he's like, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm Republican. Hey, there you go. And just says that, and it confuses them enough see? to be able to get away. See, that's the thing. It's, it's, what, uh, it's what Tony Robbins would call a pattern interrupt, you know? It doesn't really mean anything. It's just something that kind of goes, bam, and throws them off track. See, I'm just weird. Whenever I see someone approaching me like that, I just start going, no, 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 no. I'll say no. And just keep, I'll just be like, nope, no, 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 and just keep walking. I've actually done the overly aggressive, uh, you know, declination, too, when they'll say, can I ask you a go, no, for the love of God, no! Which is great, because then actually, they... Actually, I've done that, too. It's just like, no, please leave me alone. Because they think you're crazy, then. They mm-hmm. think that they might... My next step is going to be this. I've done the, no, 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 please, please, no, 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 no. Last night, I was doing the only if it's about waffles, to which one actually said, huh? And then I walked away. Uh, satisfied that I had the locked up her tiny rodent brain. Um, my next step is going to be this. When she says, sir, can I ask you a question? I'm just going to stop whatever I'm doing, and I'm going to turn, and I'm just going to stare at her and not make a noise. And I'm just going to make unbroken you eye contact. You won't be able to pull that off. Oh, really? Now, is that a challenge? It's a challenge. I'm doing it tonight. Okay. I want to witness this. I want to see you just slowly turning your head. I'm going to do it tonight. Somebody. Here's the thing, because I went to the mall last night to pick up something that I was getting repaired, which was supposed to be done Monday, by the way. Yesterday, Tuesday. Still not. No, what was yesterday? Wednesday? Yeah, today's Thursday. Yeah, today's Thursday. Thursday. Okay, it was supposed to be done Monday. I went in yesterday. Still not done. So, anyway, i got to go back again tonight, jackasses. So, tonight, somebody says, sir, can I ask you a question? I'm going to stop and just stare and just kind of... And just see what, you know, just see what they take, you know? Um, I always wear earbuds everywhere. I only take them out when I'm at home. Fame. Fame that you can't, fame that you can't hear. It. Uh-huh. All right. So, just final observation, then we'll break. 
as I'm walking through the mall, one of the clothing stores, which I don't will not identify, was advertising that if you came in and bought a certain amount of whatever, they would give you, and I'm quoting now, a free panty. Ew. How's panty spelled? P-A-N-T-Y. Is that like half of one? That's what I'm saying. What is a panty? I don't know. Is that is it like half the leg? It's only cover your ass? I mean... It's this just... one's a woman's store. Yes. Okay. Buy $75, get a free panty. See, I thought panties was... Sing- like, panties is a singular panties. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I'm the wrong guy to ask. I'm no roadmap. Panties. Well, but now you can just say panties, Sarah. They All want right. people to come in and ask. Yeah. All right. Uh, take a break. Back after this, Lisa Desjardins coming up. Steve Cast about top five greatest songs ever made and more. Stay there. Yes, you do, though. you write LOL ever? No, never. You don't ever write LOL? I write it ironically sometimes. Oh, right. Do okay. you? No, but I do. I I don't write LOL. I do a lot of emoticons. I do. I can't help with the smiley faces. I'm addicted to them. Well, I do the emoticon also because, you know what it is? It's a fear that I never had until uh, sort of like pundits and bloggers and, I don't know, writers, folks, started putting it in my head about the information age. I never used to be afraid that I, my writing would be so vague and imprecise that people wouldn't know the tone until they started saying emoticons are useful because otherwise mm-hmm. folks might misconstrue the tone of you. And then I started it thinking... It used to be such a tech-heavy you know, tech, tech um, you know, society. You know, I don't know when I started using the Internet like really sort of heavily, like maybe 97, 98. I wrote for 25 years, never worried about people misconstruing. You know why? Because I know how to write. I know how to use the English language. But now because of emoticons... They're this crutch that I now feel that I have to use because I'm just so terrified that people are going to misconstrue uh, the vibe that I'm trying to give off in a sentence. So, yeah, so I'm just I'm Zen with the fact that I'm just I'm irrevocably, uh, you know, chained to emoticons at this point in my life. All right. Let's get uh, some of these calls. We'll talk to uh, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kassam. I'm here in a few higher on the Rick Emerson show. What up? Hey, Rick, you know, how you're talking about the people that bother you at the mall. Yes. Well, uh. Whenever uh, someone asks me uh, as I'm walking down the roads um, if uh, they can spare, if I could spare some change or something like that, mm-hmm. I always give them, yeah, you know, well, sorry, guy, I just spent it all on drugs. Then you watch their head spin. Now, the I've done the thing before of uh, of preemptively asking them for change. You know, <laughs> only if it's, but I mean, and I and I don't do it with uh, with older folks, but if it's like some gutter punk, you know, if it's just if it's just some jackass kid uh, with a dog and the end of a piece of twine and a lock around his neck. Uh, you know, that's the, by the way, that's, that's the thing. If, if, if I see you with either A, cigarettes in your hand, B, uh, some sort of fake coloring in your hair, or you're trying to wear a padlock as a fashion accessory, you get no money from me. And there's you know, a 50-50 I... chance I'll tell the cops you tried to mug me just to amuse myself. But, <laughs> but when I'm walking towards those kids on the, you know, they're always downtown sitting there just reeking of gin and feces. And I, and I'll just preemptively say, hey man, you got some spare change? And then they'll kind of go, uh, 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 and then it's just kind of the lock up in the brain noise, and then I walk on smiling to myself. I love that. I love that. You know, and you can always really truly see the people that are, def- you know, that definitely need a buck or two, right. and and you can definitely make that. Uh, that really isn't a, a hard assessment to make. Well, you know, the strange thing is that the guys who really truly need a buck or five aren't out on the street asking for it. They're at the shelter. Why? They really need it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Thank you, sir. Anyways. Best show ever. Thank you, my friend. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What up? Rick, what's going on? Hello, sir. 
Hey, me and my wife it just drive me crazy. We were just talking about this whole panty thing the other day at the mall. <laughs> it's so awkward. So, uh, so your I, panty is awkward. It's just bad. Yeah, and so I won't say the store. I don't even remember the store, but I won't say the name of what the store that I think it was. But it was like buy seventy five dollars worth of whatever and get a free panty. Well, she's in the panty club where that store the will send you club. a yeah a card in the mail that says come and get your free panty. And I guess it's because it's so it's a marketing tool. Obviously, it's so sexy and cute to say come and get your panty rather than say hey get your pair of bloomers. You know bloomers. <laughs> Yeah, Don't get your it. pantaloons. Bloomers. Bloomers. That's fantastic. I'm gonna start saying that. I gotta go get me some new bloomers. So wait. So she is in a panty of the month club. It's not month. Like every so often, you get a coupon and you go in and just you show them your card. It's like a coupon, and they go and they have some special pair of panty that they give you for free. They <laughs> have a pair of panty. Which, um, why is it called a pair? You only get one. See, know? it's like a pair of pants, I guess. I mean, as opposed to a single uh, pant. Um, it's all very confusing. And that's one of those things that you suspect, as much as I try to find hard and fast answers to some of these, you kind of have this hunch that there really is no one answer to this panties, panty thing. There probably is no way to figure out what's even right. No, no, can't figure it out. Hey, do you remember, uh, you, you, I know you remember Belle Biv DeVoe. Remember Poison, the song? Absolutely. That girl is Poison. Remember right before the one dude just belts out his sexy chorus, he goes, blow. Remember that? Yeah. That's what you should do when callers come on. Like, my name comes up and it says, Ron, you should go, Ron. Yeah, and I get all excited. You go, blow, and I get to say what I want to say. All right. All right. I'll, I'll try that. Maybe, you know, I'll, I'll put it into the hopper. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll bust it out maybe sometime next week when people aren't quite expected. If I did it now, it wouldn't have the same punch. I'm going to put it in the uh, to-get-to pile, then I'm going to bring it out, and right. it'll take people by surprise. That one's free, just like the panties. All right. Thank Later, you. Man. Thank you. Thank you, mm-hmm. sir. I well, forgot see, all about that in that song. Well, see, now everyone's concerned about the panty thing. It's just You're puzzling. not alone, Rick Emerson. Now, and let me just tell you this, by the way. Uh, um, I'll say this uh, right here in front of God and everyone. So somebody upstairs working on a sales document yesterday came by my office. was talking about listing stuff out. And they were talking about how you, know, the, how you list things. And I, they had some question about does it need to be alphabetical or... Oh no! They were asking if it was a semicolon. Somebody upstairs was making I love a. Li- semicolons. They were in the sales department. They were making a list of like clients or products or something for a, for a salesperson, and they said, "So I'm making a whole list. Do I need to use a semicolon?" And then we had this whole discussion about the use of the semicolon and when it's interchangeable with a comma, when it's not, when the semicolon needs to be used, when you need to use a comma. But I did, <clears throat> I did make sure to say specifically, and you all know what's coming, to use the serial comma at the end. That is the comma immediately preceding the word and, which is in many, if not most situations, the correct way to do it. Anybody who tells you differently is uh, not to be trusted and to be beaten savagely with a pointy thing. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hello, Rick Saratim. How are you? Hello. Hey, um, I've got, um, I, I got home from uh, vacation from Thanksgiving, and my TiVo recorded all those Hitler type shows, and what I noticed in between all the shows, there was commercials for that new Tom Cruise movie. Oh, the Valkyrie. Well, you know, again, I mean, I think it goes without saying, Hitler, bad guy. But also, there's clearly some sort of, you know, a fascination with him the way that there is a fascination with Jack the Ripper uh, or, you know, Vlad the Impaler or Joseph Stalin to some degree or any of those guys. And I think they must have just figured out that to some in some horrible way, like that's where the ratings are. Yeah, and so you know, and so it makes sense. You're going to advertise that Cruiseville, which, by the way, is getting really, really good reviews. I heard so. Now, is this is is he supposed to be the one that kills Hitler? Or I, I don't, I don't yeah. get. It. I just saw the commercial. I don't get what it's about. Well, it's based on true story about the, the plot to kill Hitler. As I understand it, Tom Cruise plays 
uh, the leader of this plot to kill Adolf Hitler. Um, and I believe it was called, like, Operation Valkyrie or Project Valkyrie. Here's the other thing. It's directed by Brian Singer, um, who did, uh, you know, Superman, blah, 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 but also did The Usual Suspects. So that guy has, like, a, a pretty bulletproof pedigree. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I just thought it was unusual that they had the commercials, uh, you know, when I ta- when my wife taped all the TiVo stuff, that the commercials were right after all this Hitler. You know, sort of like a, stories. you've watched Hitler all morning, now watch Tom Cruise try to kill him. I think it's a conspiracy. All right, thanks. Sorry, what's up, Snake? All right, thank you. Right, we'll put, the, uh, put the Wolfenstein 5 commercials in there. So. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Howdy, Rick, Sarah, Tim. Hello, Rick, hi. Uh, best show ever, as thank always. You, sir. Uh, this is uh, Arizona Frank, and I just wanted to let you guys know that we've finalized our plans to come from Arizona to watch Rochelle. Wait, so, so, so Arizona? We're really pumped up about that. Where do you reside in Arizona, sir? In uh, Bullhead City. All right. Uh, so are you driving? We're driving. So you are driving. Let me stop for a second. So Richie Bristol, uh, intrepid PA here in the Rick Emerson Show, has got a drag show coming up at North Bank uh, on December 13th. Rochelle Bristol. What's his band called? Pleasure Vessel. Um, Rochelle Crystal. Rochelle Crystal and the Lips Cabaret featuring Pleasure Vessel. So Richie's going to be doing a full-on drag performance. And you and your beloved are driving from Arizona to see it. Totally. We are excited. Our beloved and our two our two doggies. So, so uh, you see, you're, saying, you're just saying that you're a big, you know, Richie gives and gives. And so you feel like it's your duty to give back a little bit. Well, not to mention that the economy is paying to our favor because now we can afford the gas to go up there. <laughs> that is true. It could cost you half of what it, what it would have. So, all right. Well, Absolutely. excellent. So, uh, when are you going to be? Uh, when will you be in town? Because the thirteenth is what? Is that a Saturday, Sarah? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, so when... yeah it is. We we leave the tenth, and then uh, you know we'll probably be there um, the following day. All right. Well, uh, drop us a uh, drop us a call when you get to town, so we'll give you the nickel tour. Look forward to it. All I right, appreciate it, guys. All right, drive safe. Thank you. All right, there you go. Attention advertisers, you two can, well, I, I guess it's pointless. He's in Arizona, but you know what I mean. So uh, I'm just saying, that guy, in Arizona, you know, they got radio stations there in Arizona. Is he listening to them? No. No, he's not. I'm just making the point. Attention, Les Moonves. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill, CNN Radio Correspondent of the Stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you today? Hello, who was that on the phone? Uh, that was a guy named Frank who listens to us in Arizona. He sounded a little bit like Ed McCarthy to me. I can see that, a little tiny bit. Yeah. Same sort of cadence, maybe the same kind of rasp yeah. to his voice. Yeah, he's a guy in Arizona going to be driving up here December 13th to see Richie uh, Bristol perform in a drag cabaret. Wow. So. Uh, wow. All right. Well, I'll get video for you. Okay. How's life? How are things? Good, good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a... I'm not the CEO of an auto company, so that's nice. We were told that you were only available until 11:40, so. Oh. Apparently, this conversation isn't even happening. No, Apparently not. not. Just I was made, something got something must have gotten a little hinky there. I was told to call in at 11:43. All right then. Or or someone is really really out to out against us. Well, I didn't say that. You said that. I just I'm I'm a reporter. I'm asking the question. You're always digging for truth. Asking the question. All right. Well, okay, so uh, I, I'm, I'm, I swear I'm not going to talk about this road trip to, to, to ask for money thing anymore except to ask this. Okay. So is it now, would we figure, is it just the one guy from the one company who's driving some hybrid car to get to Congress? I mean, is, it just, is that the deal? No, all three of them did. 
you know, but as I told you, the um, the guy, I believe it was from Chrysler, was driving the discontinued. It was like a car you couldn't even buy. Versions of the cars, yes, yes. Did you read this uh, by any chance? Did you read this article, that uh, this essay that Michael Moore wrote for the Daily Kos about how you know, the market value of the outstanding stock is only $3 billion? So you know, why are we giving them $34 billion, uh, you know, which the government almost certainly knows will not do the trick, and the government's going to end up, you know, they have, to get, they have to put up collateral anyway. So, you know, the, the government's going to ask them to put the company's collateral, give them $34 billion. They're going to blow it, as they always do, and the government's going to end up owning the company. The government could actually just buy all the stock and own the company flat out outright now for three billion. There, there are senators asking that same question. Though, you know, if you if you bought this company, I mean, it's it's really like a crumbling house. You know, you can pay uh, all you want to own the house, but it still doesn't get you a house you can live in. You've got to pay a lot more to repair it sometimes than what the house itself is worth, and that's the situation right now with these automakers. But uh, Ford is saying that they think they could start turning a profit um, in two or three years, and then Chrysler is saying it thinks that it can re- start repaying uh, this money uh, within three years as well, and that it would have all the money repaid by 2012, which usually that's a pretty big timeline for this kind of money, but in this situation, uh, that's better than I think a lot of people expected. And But the question is, is that for real? Well, of course they're saying that, but Lisa, but that's a lie. Well, that's the thing. Those are lies. Those aren't those aren't truths. Those are fibs. They're telling. And I think the big one of the big moments today, and, and people who watch coverage of this, uh, hopefully you'll notice. Hopefully this is what people will point to. Uh, you know, the automakers get up there and they each one by one say how much they want and how hard they're working to cut back and what they've been doing. Uh, and then they, the United Auto Worker guy says the same thing. And then the very last person to speak on that panel was an economist. Uh, from Moody. Uh, his name is Mark Zandi. He's actually one of the owners of Moody's. And he he said uh, $34 billion, it's, that is, there's no way that that is going to be enough. I think it's going to be more like 75 or $125 billion that these guys will need to avoid bankruptcy. Now, all that depends on the economy, and it's all interwoven. But, he, I mean, already, it was sort of like a big thud in the committee room when he was saying, no, it's going to be more like three or four times what they're actually asking. You know, and I have to tell you, just like, I, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, that's just his opinion. Yeah. And, and I don't, you know, I don't pretend to know everything about the, uh, or really anything about the auto industry, but I do know this, that at a certain point, I mean, I've worked in radio more or less for, for most of my life, but I mean, just, you know, that radio is a different, it is a, a different kind of business, but it's still a business. And one of the things that I learned, I don't know, some time ago, at a, at a certain point in my life, I started to actually take to heart that phrase they use in the sales department, which is under promise, over deliver. Or the way, and they don't say that anymore. They don't even say under promise, over deliver. They say manage expectations. Right. And what that means is, look, if you think it's going to take $100, you say it's going to take 300 And if you think you can get it done in a week, say you can get it done in three weeks. And then, you know, that things go terribly bad. You don't look like a tool. And if, you know, things go according to your own estimate, then you're going to look fantastic. But these guys are st- these guys haven't learned that, and th- these guys are still doing the uh, no 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 baby take me back I can change honest no you know and of course but the, the, baby he's not gonna change he's the same guy he was before they would never get I mean I think I think uh, uh, con- there's no way that Congress would consider giving them 150 billion or 70 billion so they're trying to lowball it to get money right now to get them through right now most except except for Ford which might be in a different situation but then they make this argument which is another good one as well we're asking for 34 billion right now how about AIG one single company got 
$150 billion just for that company. Well, I was going to make the point that you say that, well, there's no way Congress is going to give them $100 billion. Well, what was the logic in that? Congress is already thinking about giving them $34 billion, which is above the $25 billion they said they were going to need like a week ago. I mean, in the space of like five days, it's gone up 50%. You've got to put, but there's there seems to be some, you know, if you an economist could probably do some sort of a, I don't know, a marginal analysis of of where kind of you know the the dad after all you know the first five kids come up and ask for money mm-hmm. and then the sixth kid gets there and asks for less money but the dad is just done giving out the funds right you know and I think that's what we have here and there's so much anger over how the first bailout um, is 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 or is not being used uh, basically to potentially pad up uh, banks' balance sheets instead of actually get the economy moving. There's a lot of questions over whether it's really working. That I think in what's actually happening here is Congress is finally taking the time uh, that they would say they didn't have when AIG was crashing, but they're taking the time a little bit to actually look at what they're doing and take and really consider uh, exactly what is called for here and what is not. And consider how they're going to hold these guys accountable, something that they said they were doing with the other bailout, but in fact, no, they're not doing. We don't know exactly how they're using the money, all those banks, and we don't know exactly how they're going to be kept accountable for any of it. So it, I think the automakers are are kind of suffering like the youngest child, that you know the parents learn how to be better parents, they, they get well, into the tricks, that kind of thing. However, they had a lot of problems themselves as well. Well, as you go, th- consider this. Uh, yeah. Here's something you might want to work on. One last is... thing. We had protesters today, too. It was nice. What were they protesting? Oh, I was so happy. They they were not, I mean, you know, no offense to any Iraq war protesters who may be listening, you know, but, but honestly, we've had a lot of Iraq protests, and that's usually how it's been. But it was kind of nice to have a different protest for once. Uh, they were actually saying that uh, the bailout was, was on the backs of the poor, and they were asking for money for food banks. And Well, there you go. The bailout is a sellout. Yeah, it well, was different. Since, it was seeing nice. as how the word poor was never actually used once during the presidential campaign, it's, it's good to see someone at least acknowledging that there are, in fact, people who aren't middle class. It was pretty amazing. It was, it was, it was different, yeah. All right. Well, on that note, may the good news be yours, Lisa. We'll talk to you soon. Sorry I cut you off. Okay. Not at all. Thank you. Bye. All right. Got to go. Well, it, it, was, Steve, was Steve calling? Because I normally... No, it's, no, it's fine. Yeah, uh, Richie had his phone muted back there, so he didn't... Ah, calling. all right. There you go. I didn't get a chance to make this point uh, that I was going to make to Lisa, but we'll get to it here in a few. Uh, I'll bring it up in my own self. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN Radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? Doing well. Actually, that's not, that's not true. So here's why I'm not fantastic. I'm wearing this shirt today that I quite like. Uh, it's this white button, uh, button-up shirt with tiny black pinstriping. And I'm a big fan of this shirt. But here's the thing. Uh, so when I get my shirts, if I do them myself... Uh, I starch it, you know, I, I use a lot of starch at home when I'm ironing. I have a heavy hand with the starch. If I get them laundered, which I do occasionally, if I get my shirts done at the laundromat, right. which is sort of a mixed bag because the woman is really nice, but then she always insults me at some point, and I think I told you that, um, I do the medium starch. And the medium starch is good because heavy starch makes it a little too one way. It's like trying to wear, you know, it's like trying to wear a, an envelope at that point. It doesn't really work. Medium starch is good, but if you notice this, if you're wearing a button-up shirt, whether it is untucked in what a friend of mine calls the Applebee's casual look, or if it's tucked in, no matter how much starch you use, how well-pressed or ironed it is, the area of the shirt right around your belt line and below is always wrinkled by about five minutes after you get to work. Oh, yeah. I don't understand the guys that I see walking around the city who have these really nicely tailored tapered shirts. You know, they, right. they, they fit into a tee. There's no bulkiness hanging out anywhere. 
walking around, and their shirts always look perfectly pressed. Right. And I've come to the conclusion that they never sit down or bend over during the work day. See, that's my thing. They never sit down, and they never, they're never in a car. Because when you're in a car, you have to do that. This is, you have to do this, that jazz of, like, putting on the, you know, the seatbelt, but then pulling up your shirt and putting this, the shirt over the seatbelt so the seatbelt right. doesn't, like, cinch it down and put a bunch of creases into it. Anyway, so that's why I'm not all that great. I love this shirt, but now, you know, it is, you know, I look, I look presentable from the belt up, but from the belt to like, I don't know, top of my thigh, look all wrinkly and bad. Yeah, I can't stand, I'm with you on that. I can't stand it. You're constantly readjusting the shirt. I'm thinking about asking the woman at the laundromat to starch my shirts medium, but then, like, for the bottom two buttons down, heavy starch. That's going to be my next request. See, you know. starch, really? You, you better put on some moisturizer around the midsection or something. I'm just saying. it's uh, You know, I'm just tired of the wrinkles. Something's got to be done. All right. Uh, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada. Oh, oh hey. So here's the two things. Yes. One from, I guess, last week. One from what just seems like an eternity ago. So we'll talk about the less interesting one first. Uh, uh, so that, uh, what's her name? The hooker that was sleeping with Elliot Spitzer. Oh, yeah. So I guess we care about her again momentarily. Ashley Dupre, he, yeah. he was um, interviewed on, on 2020 uh, a couple of weeks ago, but we actually uh, have Elliot Spitzer back in the news. Um, just found out last night his first column posted to the online uh, magazine or periodical, however you want to define it, called Slate.com. Oh, he, wait, so this is not actually the hooker getting a new job. This is Elliot Spitzer himself. Yeah, Elliot Spitzer has got a new job. Wow, good for him. Uh, so... He's going to be writing about uh, the financial world and regulations, government regulations of it. Slate.com, so, which, am I wrong about this? Is Slate owned by Microsoft somehow? Why do I think that Slate is owned by Microsoft? I don't know who they're owned by Microsoft. I know they have a relationship, though. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's, you know, and then Michael, uh, what's his name? Michael Kinsley was the guy who ran that joint for a while. I don't know if he still is. There's still um, some really good journalism uh, on the site, yeah. Slate's a great magazine. Um, Slate is good. You know what I used to read? and then I It's one of those things that was my daily read. Mm-hmm. We could probably go around the room and ask this, but you used to have something that was a daily read online. I mean, uh, it was like every day you sit there with your cup of coffee. I'm going to go to blah, 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 dot com and see what's up in the world. And then one day, it just, I never read it again. Uh, and that is Salon. I used to read Salon every single day online. Uh, and Salon is sort of like Slate Magazine. It's kind of like a New Yorker-style periodical, but it's it's on the net. And I read Salon religiously, and then one day I just stopped, and I never, ever, 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 ever went back. I still read Salon.com, uh, usually when somebody sends me a link or, uh, or like, if a friend writes an article that gets published there, because... Uh, you know, they have a lot of people writing for them. You know, they, right. they'll take on a lot of articles. So nobody, nobody's on staff. You're all writing, like, <laughs> on a per-article basis there or something like that. So, yeah. But, yeah, so he's writing about uh, about finance, the, the financial world. And, and in his first column, he was critical of the, of the bailout package. So it's kind of funny that, uh, A, he's writing about uh, the industry that he used to prosecute when he was uh, the attorney general. He went after them on Wall Street. And now he's joined the ranks of all those people who were the most vocally critical of him when he when when it became public that he was going to right. prostitutes uh, he's joined the ranks of the editorial column well, it is a it is a world of ever shifting alliances my friend yeah. uh and finally this uh, Walmart thing so we had this story so it was a black friday or whatever the friday after uh, after thanksgiving so there's some poor schlub uh working at a Walmart 
trying to explain, as we understand it now, standing in all of this pack of jackals outside waiting to get into my waffle irons or something, and he says, hold on a second, you're going to have to wait a few more minutes to get in, and then just like Dawn of the Dead style, they basically just shove down the doors and they trample this poor guy to death. So what what is the deal? What is happening now? Oh, by the way, this is re- we, we get more and more information about what happened, uh, uh, you know, Every day, mm-hmm. and Nassau County Police, the commissioner had a news conference recently, and he was talking about what was on the videotape, and he was saying uh, several hundred people had to step over, around, or on this guy in order in order to get in in order to get into the store on on Black Friday. So say that one more time. I missed part of that. Several, uh, several, several people, uh, several hundred people had to step on, over, or around this guy in order to get into the store on Black Friday. That's what I thought you said. So not like. Five, like it was hundreds. Yes, hundreds. Ugh. All right, and so do they are they have they found these guys? Like, are they looking for them on the security camera, or I mean, are they putting a thing on TV? Like, do you know this trampler? I mean, how? What is no, the? They're, they're they're looking at whether they they can press charges, but but right now they're not sure if they're going to be able to because they have to prove intent. And on that note, uh, Rick, I have to take my leave. All right, my friend. Uh, busy day for all of us. We will talk to you very soon. Okay, thanks right. a lot, Steve Kastenbaum. There you go. Well, it seems that you don't have to prove intent. I mean, if you see, look, there's some guy uh, bleeding on the side of the road, and you... I think you notice if you were, like, running over somebody. You step over him, you know, to, like, uh, you know, to to pick up... He was a big guy. Yeah, I mean... That's just sad that there are so many people who stepped over him, and nobody helped him. Ugh. All right. Well, there you go. In any event. Uh, All right. It's 503-733-2970. Just going to read this one email about panty. Rick, I always thought that the word panties is like the word pants. It's always a pair, never just a free pant. It should have been a free pair of panties, just my opinion. Then we have this one. This one says, Rick, the word panty must be acceptable because we've all heard it before without thinking, uh, without really thinking it's weird. Panty liners. It's not panties liner. Why, yes, he says, I do have to buy panty liners for my wife. This is how I know. Panties liner. Is it like, is that like Surgeon's General or Courts Martial? I about panty liner. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. But they're only giving it, well, but does that mean that, you know, you realize the upshot of this is we're all having to use a word that we all hate over and over and over again. But when you say like, and then I blah, 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 to put on my panties. Panty, panty, panty. Yeah. Panty, panty, two by four. Um, I'm done, Karen. There you go. <laughs> Let's That's move on. From the end of the panty discussion. Uh, when we return, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth and stuff. Uh, later on, top five. Uh, another installment of the greatest songs ever made, Dennis Pitsenbarger and the folks from the Found Footage Film Festival. Stay there. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 2970 coming up later on today. We'll have uh, the top five, top five comeback albums of all time. Uh, one of the greatest songs ever made. Some folks from the Found Footage Film Festival, Transvestite Trivia, uh, Dennis Pitsenbarger, and so forth. We'll do uh, one call here, then Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Why, hello there. Who might this be? This is Craig. Hello, sir. How can I help you? Well, you were talking about uh, keeping your shirts neatly tucked in so they didn't ride up and bulge out at the... Well, well, that's not. That, that, well, that wasn't really the issue as such. The the issue for me, I was saying that whether they're tucked in or whether they're sort of casually untucked, the problem for me, and I think for most guys, is 
I get my shirts uh, medium starched, and the problem is from, like, around the belt all the way down, that part gets wrinkled, like, immediately. The rest of your shirt stays wrinkle-free. That part, it's all, like, sponged up. No good. Oh, well, that, uh, what I was going to recommend was I knew uh, the uh, couple that used to own a dry cleaner in Palm Springs, <clears throat> and they would launder uh, Frank Sinatra shirts. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he did to keep his shirts tucked in and looking nice and neat was he snapped at the uh, at the uh, bottom of the tails between his legs. Those legs snapped together and they wouldn't ride out. Oh, I see. So he had, so he would almost, uh, so he would have snaps put on the ta- the front tail on and the, the back the of his shirt. Yeah. Like a shirt diaper together, kind of. Almost like a like a shirt diaper thing almost. <laughs> but to keep exactly. the shirt to keep the shirt taut. A panty diaper. All right. Well. All right. Well, if Frank did it, 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 if Frank did it, it has to be okay, I guess. All right. Thank you, sir. Bye. All right. There you go. All right. No, I can see. See, you know, that's and that's one of those things that I guess you would never know about because you would never see it. But that is a good way to keep your shirt taut because the shirt does sort of buckle at a certain like point. Like leotards in the 80s when girls wanted to keep their shirts in, so they just wear a leotard and well, their jeans. Well, are those like stretch pants that had the stirrup feet, you know what I'm talking about? I had those. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I dated a number of girls who had those. Oh, no, I'd always wear my houndstooth stirrup pants and like my, my bright purple Esprit sweatshirt with them. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A 20-year-old woman who set a tow truck afire as it was being towed away will get two years of probation. Elizabeth Allen pled no contest to second-degree arson this morning of the Noma County Circuit Court. It all began when a driver... Of the tow truck began hooking up a car to a tow truck, and an intoxicated mob ran out of apartments. He uh, offered to release the car for $150, which is the policy, but it only made matters worse. Uh, they worked themselves up in a drunken frenzy, and everybody got a little angry at the tow truck driver, so he locked himself in the cab, called 911. A short time later, a bystander told him, The back of your truck is on fire. <laughs> you ain't got no legs. So he put it out with a fire extinguisher, uh, but this uh, woman was charged in connection with that. So she well, gets probation. Me, well, let me say this. Uh, the Rick Emerson Show does not advocate, promote, endorse, encourage uh, the breaking of any law. All laws are to be respected. We are a nation of laws and regulations. Yes, we are. She got probation, though? Mm-hmm. I'm betting it was totally worth it. That's just my that's just my journalistic, that is my editorial opinion. It's protected by the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America. If she got probation, which basically just means she can't commit any other crimes, but, I mean, who knows? Maybe this is a first offense for her. Yes. I mean, if they gave us probation, I think we'd be fine. We're not out there, like, smashing windows and committing hooliganism. I'm guessing, this is just my speculation, you know, the chance to set a tow truck on fire when it's trying to tow some a car away, you get, you know, you get two years of probation. I'm guessing if you could look into her soul, she's going to say, and it was worth it, and I'd do it again. That's just my guess. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should set tow trucks on fire. That is wrong. I am guessing that she sleeps with a big smile on her face right now. Uh, because tow trucks, can we all agree on this? Can we all agree that tow trucks are unique in that you logically understand that, A, that's a guy who just has a job to do, mm-hmm. trying to trying to put food on his family and everything. The guy who drives a tow truck, he's just trying to make a living. He's just trying to pay the rent like everybody else. And you also logically understand that there are certain places you're not supposed to park, and if so, the man comes and uh, tows away your uh, jalopy. But can we also agree that in our head, there is this weird separation where when the tow truck comes, you don't view it as the guy trying to make a living. You view the tow truck and driver as one thing. You view them as an evil entity. And that's we all know that's true, right? 
And that's the thing that, like, we shouldn't feel, but you do. Has there, have you had your car towed away? Mm, yes, I think I have before. Oh, you'd know. If you no, had no, your I car towed, you'd remember. No, I don't think I have. I've gotten lots of tickets, but I don't think I've oh. had it towed. Oh, you'd know. Oh, if you, no, you, if you'd ever had a car towed away, that's a thing that stays with you forever. I know it's happened to you, Tim. Oh, yes. I mean, just because, like, just listen to the way you talk about life. I know it's happened to you. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's happened to me. I, I thought I found the one parking space that nobody found in Hollywood. The repo man will never spot me here. And that's the other thing. It's like the repo man. I, look, it, it, you're supposed to pay your bills. We all know that. Nobody's saying anything different. But it's you can't deny. When you're young and foolish, you think you're uh, invincible. Well, you know, and, and also, it's not just that you think you're invincible. Again, nobody's saying you shouldn't pay your bills. That's uh, how we got into this stupid financial crisis in the first place. Nobody's saying that. But by the same token, you have to acknowledge that there is... Your higher brain, this is like really where it's the higher brain and the reptile brain not really working in conjunction. We can all agree that your upper brain functions and your sort of, you know, your uh, whatever you call it, your, your, your temporal lobe or whatever, that knows you're supposed to pay bills, you're supposed to follow rules, and if not, bad things can happen. Your reptile brain doesn't care about any of that. Your reptile brain sees some guy from a cave down the road coming to take away something from your cave that belongs to you. And you just get that weird, just visceral, primal anger of like, you know, it's just the overwhelming desire to do harm to someone. So, especially, and here's the other thing. It's one thing if they're coming to tow your car because uh, you're late on your payments and the rightful owner of the car who is selling it to you piece by piece comes to repo it. That sucks and it fills you with anger. But you can almost, I mean, that's a thing where you can say, boy, I wish they'd been able to talk talk to me somehow. We could have worked something out. But it's still kind of technically their car because I'm paying for it bit by bit. Okay, that's one thing. Here's another thing altogether. It's another thing some jackass is coming to tow you because you're in a space that no one needs, that no one needs, that isn't being used for anything else, and that shouldn't be illegal. They're all over the place downtown. Oh, they're, they're all over the place everywhere. I mean, I don't know what the... Uh, this is well-traveled territory on the Rick Emerson Show, but I don't know what the deal is with the city and parking spaces that are illegal to park in for no reason but revenue generation. And that's probably it. I mean, it probably is just, can I tell you, here's a perfect example. This happened to Lara and I this weekend. This le, this is timely, Tim. This happened to us last Saturday. At the Lloyd Center. It was not at the Lloyd Center, but it was at the end of that, tam- the end of that same day. So Lara and I spent all Saturday. We go to the Lloyd Center. We look at fat teenagers. We look at Christmas decorations. Uh, you know, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Right with the world. All is right with the world. That night, we're kind of, we go home, we put on Frank Sinatra, we hang up our Christmas decorations, great night. Sounds very festive. And, we, you know, and, and people can think it's corny or cheesy or whatever. I love Christmas. I love Christmas and all the things that people laugh at or smirk at or think are cliche. Uh, you can eat a bag, friend, because I love Christmas and no one will make Christmas me nuts. Yes, we did. Awesome. I hung Christmas lights. And the only reason I didn't hang all of them is because I'm, I'm short one extension cord. So they're gonna, the rest of them are going to go up this weekend. As soon as I find those goddamned mugs. Hmm. Anyway. So I, we, we, I had the Frank Sinatra on, Christmas lights up, ornaments aplenty throughout the house. Lara did the once-a-year thing where she tried to put, like, the little... She tried to put these reindeer antler things on Max, and it just didn't work. And then she tried to put them on Philo, who just went, ah! and ran away. So we're having a great night. How should we end this night? Lara says, hey, we should get some cider. I said, hey, do we have some of that around? I thought we bought some. No, turns out not. So we leave to go get some cider. There is a place in southeast Portland. I won't identify it. But it is a um, it is a 24-hour establishment that offers food, beverages, and limited internet access for folks who want to go and I don't know it's for like you know like and like D and D nerds and you know it's it's a 24-hour kind of coffee shop type place. There's this side street 
that is in an industrial area. In other words, it's not on a residential street. This coffee shop has as its side street. It's just a bunch of, like, industrial crap, like power company things and just, you know, and like a place where they keep, like, I don't know, where the place where they keep delivery trucks at night when they're not being used or locked up inside a lot. In other words, the streets not being used. For, no one needs to park there. No one lives there, and there and it's for businesses that are closed. No one's gonna gonna need those spaces, and yet there's a big sign: no parking this block. All of this perfectly usable space, you can't use it. Why? No reason. And so we're sitting there, we're driving around. Lars says, "This is a totally true story." Lars says, "Well, you should just park here. I mean, it's you know, it's like it's like midnight." And I said, "Oh, baby, I don't know. It says no parking." And she says. What, well, what do you mean? And I said, she said, is it like a no parking kind of, or, you know, sometimes hours? And I just pointed, this is a red, a P with a red line through it. And I said, no, see, it's no parking. The man says we can't park here. And she was at, she's way gutsier or more reckless of a driver than I am. And she actually said, park here anyway. They're not going to do anything. And I just said, this is, I mean, this sounds like a made up story because it's so perfect because of this story. But this is what I said. I said, this is how I sometimes, uh, you'll forgive the phrase, uh, get her to quit talking about things. She kept pressing me to park there outside the coffee shop, and I said, okay, look, here's the deal. I'll park here, but if we come out on the car's towed, I'm going to take a cab and go home, and you're going to go uh, get the car yourself. And then there was this long pause in the car, and she said, okay, well, let's not park here. Let's go somewhere else. So she didn't really want to put up her shut up. So we went and we drove like two blocks away parked there. We go into the coffee shop, cider, whatever, great time. Come back out, walk into our car. What do we see? There, what to our wondering eyes should appear? The man's tow truck is there, towing away a bunch of people who parked where she had suggested we parked. And I told her, I'm like, look at that. People getting towed away. Aren't who you called? Uh, that's my other thing. It's like, who, what, what bastard? What godless, soulless creature that walks like a man would call the city? Cause it was, and that's the other thing. It was a city tow truck. It wasn't a private tow truck either. It wasn't like Joe's, Joe's, you know, crank and yank. It was, I mean, it was like, you know, the city that works and tows. Sitting there towing some poor people away. So, and, and yeah, but it just fills you with this apoplectic rage. I would say tow trucks, tow trucks and meter maids, they just reach some weird psychic soft spot in your brain. And suddenly you just get all like, you just get all David Banner. In your head, you know, and those things. So, oh, but so this is my final thing about tow trucks is this. You know what I'm going to do when I'm wealthy someday? What? When I'm wealthy, you know how some guys, they travel and they have a posse? Or do they call it a posse or an entourage? Entourage. Yes. You know, like, yeah, like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Vince on, Vinny Chase on Entourage. You know, he has his, his pack of pack of boys. Um, you know, you sometimes you'll see celebrities, athletes, singers, whatever, and they got the whole posse that goes with them. Just dudes that are there for no real reason. Just, I guess, there to just stand and, like, I don't know, indicate that indicate that he's uh, he's much loved. When I'm wealthy, every time I drive my car, I'm going to bring along three guys. And when I park, if it's in a no-parking zone, the three guys are just going to stand in a ring around my car. And so when a tow truck guy, a tow truck guy comes to tow me, I'm just going to pay people to stand in a circle around my car while I'm gone. And when the tow truck arrives, they're just going to stand there, and one of them will call my cell phone. And I'll say, okay, great, I'll come back. and you know, I'll go back, get in the car. They'll scatter. I'll drive away. But they're going to stand in a ring around my car. That's it. Well, it sounds really fun to be a member of your entourage. No, you know what? They'll be paid. They'll be paid uh, in accordance with... They'll, they'll be paid properly, I would say, probably disproportionately well. You know what it is? That's the price that I would gladly pay. Do you know what? That's, sometimes there's a surcharge. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a sticking it to the man charge. That's what it's going to be. I'll gladly pay that. Sounds of bitches. All right. 
Obey the law, kids. Here's Tim Riley. Then there's the burglar who made himself a ham sandwich and used the bathroom. This happened in Gresham. Apparently, this burglar's been uh, burglarizing many residences around Northeast 23rd. A woman whose home was burglarized said the intruder broke in during the daytime when her family was at work. He escaped a thousand dollars worth of family property. He also, uh, oh, apparently he took his time while he was in there. He went to the refrigerator and made himself a ham sandwich, and then he used the bathroom. I don't know how they knew he used the bathroom. Well, I don't want to think about it. Let's. I think we all know, Tim. <laughs> how do we know that? How do we know that people here have used the bathroom, Tim? That's it, what I'm saying. Well, we know every time, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do, Tim. They're able to find fingerprints, but the results so far, uh, they won't know for a week. So somebody is breaking the house and making themselves ham sandwiches and using the bathroom. That is not right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. There's an interesting observation about tow trucks is that they do bring out visceral hatred and uh, uh, just unending joy as well. How do you, you mean? Know, if you're on a darkened road and your car breaks down, you know, and you're waiting, waiting, no, waiting that's for the to show up. No, 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 that's true. And in fact, that's a really interesting point you make here, sir. You're a keen student of the human condition. Tow trucks elicit only one of two responses, and they are both extremes. When you see a tow truck, you are either elated because you're stuck in the woods and Jason Voorhees is hunting you and your car didn't start, or extreme anger and hatred because you just ran into the store for five minutes to get yourself some Pepto-Bismol because your uh, you know, wife is throwing up uncontrollably at home and there was a hooded off parking meter indicating you shouldn't park there but nobody's doing anything and it's four in the morning and who's going to need the hooded off parking meter anyway and you come out and some bastard is taking your ah! that's it two extremes tow trucks well noted sir so I have uh, I wanted to get a pizza Mm -hmm. I won't name the place, but actually I know several people that this has happened to. It's over in Northeast. Mm -hmm. Literally, literally, four minutes inside, came out, my car was gone. Well, I mean, you... I, I had no idea that they could hook them, hook them and take them that fast. Oh, the... I was pissed off. There I is mean... a, uh, there's a bank uh, that I won't identify on Hawthorne. Uh, and on Hawthorne, there is a bank that has uh, a, a parking lot that is actually so large, you can't quite tell if it all belongs to the bank or not. You feel like part of it belongs to the bank, but part of it might just be like, you know, for folks. Um, and I remember I had to run in somewhere. I think I had to run to like, uh, there's, a, there's a restaurant there, and I think I'd placed a phone order or something. And their parking lot was full. And I just had to run in, pay, grab the food, go. And I parked at this bank. And I ran, this is a couple years ago, ran in, get the food across the street at the, you know, at the restaurant, go back out to the car. I get in my car, and literally, as I'm turning on my car, getting her to drive out, the tow truck guy comes, you know, I see him coming around the corner and coming into the parking lot, because clearly somebody had, had sicked him on me. And it's like, who is, who is that person? Who's... You know, it's actually, uh, the, the city of Portland just, just banned that practice. They called it predatory towing. Yeah. And those bastards would sit in places that they knew... You know, where there was a restaurant or something that, uh, you know, people would come in and pick up food and they would hide around the corner and um, uh, wait for somebody to go in and do that and they'd grab their car and take it. You know, or some Gladys Kravitz neighbor who's just sitting there looking out her window with, it, with you know, her pince-nez spectacles, you know, I don't like that car. Well, I, uh, uh, the same spot, I don't know, a couple of years later, I saw the guy doing it again and I parked my car in front of the driveway so that he couldn't leave, and I went into the place and said, hey, if anybody's driving a blah, blah, hey, you know, good your for car's you. getting hooked up, and so whatever. All right, there you it go. See way to... Uh, you know, see it was way a little to... bit of retribution. It was still like a $200 pizza, but, you know, whatever. Or you, could, you wouldn't even have to necessarily park your car in front of the tow truck. You could just pretend to be sort of enfeebled, 
you know, and just kind of stand there and kind of flail around a little bit and then occasionally say something like, you know, bunnies, you know, or whatever. You know, and then meanwhile, the guy's like getting his car out of the way. Uh, well, yeah, you know, we have to stand up uh, together against tyranny, sir. I agree. Thank, uh, thank you. you. Thank you. One more, and then we'll uh, continue with the news. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing, What's up? Um, on Hawthorne, there's uh, the lovely... Let's not identify any businesses by name. Oh, heck no, no. It would be a banking establishment that's really close to Pasta Works, but we won't say which one. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it's another one of those four minutes in and out, just... There was 11 cars parked there, jammed in. Mm-hmm. Pop in, do my thing, come back out, and everybody else is gone except for the tow truck and my car that's in the middle of being towed. Or, or, or wow. like, as the guys are like, dude, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And then he looks at it and just will not respond to me. Oh, until no. I'm, until I'm in the air. No, that's that, yeah. uh, no, they. That's the thing is like, and I've and I've totally, uh, you know, this hadn't happened to me, but I, you know, I totally know people who come back. You know, and it's like it's like when the meter maid is looking at your car and they're just starting to write out the ticket. And you're like, no, I'm back. I'm just oh, come on. And they just and that's I think they must be they must be trained not to interact. That is so frustrating when mm-hmm. they're ignoring you and you know that they're doing it. Like oh, you can stop. You felt, I felt so neutered, and I felt like if I knew the law, I'm sure that if he's not in the air, I think that I can just like I'm pulling away from you. You you know blah blah blah. But you're jammed. You can't do anything. And like say, and then he looks at me and goes, "Well, here are your two options. I can take it to the yard for two hundred and blah blah blah, or you can pay me a hundred something right See, now." But, and I'll how, just put it. but how is that even legal? That you can pay the guy directly right there? That seems I like it's illegal. Sure felt it to me. Yeah, I mean that's kind of like when the cop. I had a friend of mine get pulled over by a cop one time, not here, and the cop said. Hey, uh, so you got that, uh, and it was some something stupid. It was like, you know, so your you know, one of your fog lights is out, or just something lame. And, and the guy goes, oh, and the cop says, that'll be two hundred dollars, or um, or seventy five, if you'd like to pay that right here. And I mean, clearly everybody knew what the deal was. So, <clears throat> thank you, sir. Yeah, later, bro. All right, weasels. Doesn't it seem like a racket that you could pay the guy right there? Yeah. I mean, how? I don't please don't call to tell me if it's legal. I'm just saying it seems kind of weird. All right, here's Tim Riley. Oh, did you hear about that weird story on the coast? This guy with the mail-order bride, she finally comes over here, and she's swept out. No. Sneaker wave, yeah. It happened uh, Saturday. Wow. This 45-year-old guy, a 22-year-old woman <laughs> from the Philippines, he finishes uh, filling out all the government paperwork, allowing her to travel to Oregon from her home in the Philippines. He was ready to set their wedding date for December 6th, the two-year anniversary when they met online. So he decides to take her for a walk on the beach. And a sneaker wave comes out of nowhere and swept throughout the sea. Now, what is this? But that, okay, now when you first said it, I guess I was thinking it was a log. That's not a log, though. No. What is a sneaker wave? It's I mean, a big I wave guess it comes out of nowhere. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of know, but I mean, I don't think I've ever really even heard about that. What? They used to have a lot of PSAs about them because they were like getting a lot of people. There, there were twenty foot seas and no visibility due to fog. Oh well, that that will see there. That's there's your problem if you can't. Because I was thinking if you're walking along. You know the ocean. You can see a twenty-foot wave coming. I mean, that's the and and waves don't just occur like waves don't spontaneously uh, come into being three feet from the shore. Waves start, of course, out of the sea and they roll on in and they build. So that didn't make any sense. But if there's if there's fog, fog. and you can't see the ocean, mm-hmm. which of course means it was at night. Doesn't say what time. I think it was in the afternoon. It was foggy though, but no visibility. Anyway. Yeah, if it's foggy, you can't really. So see. then they sell, wow. send out a helicopter to look for it, and they had to turn back because it was repeatedly struck by birds. Can wow. You imagine that? Nature hates you. Mm-hmm. Let's not even get into that elbowed squid thing that's out there. Jesus. All right. Well, that sucks. So that's that. Uh, then a man uses a Bible to rob a Washington bank. You hear about this one? This happened in Tacoma. 
A man walks into a U.S. bank branch. He gives the uh, teller a Bible, tells her to open it to a specific page, which contained a note demanding money. The note said he would shoot and kill the teller if he didn't get the money. Is that one of the Beatitudes? Blessed art thou who don't press the silent alarm or give me those weird dollar bills that explode with die when I leave. Uh, before walking out of the bank, the robber t uh, took the money and told the teller he would leave town and would pay her back. I'd like to think that he would. Did they catch him? No. See, I hope he does. But he will pay her back. I hope he does. I hope he's like a gentleman Jim kind of a, mm -hmm. kind of a robber. That would at least, you know, put a little smile on my face. You know, Rick Emerson's not suggesting you commit crimes. The Rick Emerson Show, uh, we should start having a standard disclaimer at the beginning of the show. That is for, for enter not for investment purposes, for entertainment purposes only. Yes. Rick Emerson shows not telling you to commit uh, crimes. Uh, that is wrong, uh, and all laws are to be obeyed uh, implicitly. Let's all agree on that. We all agree. That being said, the rest of this program is for entertainment and satiric purposes only, not to be taken seriously. Uh, don't try this at home. You know what it's time for? I don't even think it's about time. We haven't had one of these in forever, and maybe we never did. One of those sort of theatrically like stylish and polite burglars or robbers. You know, like you always see in the movie. Like, uh, best example, maybe, uh, that I can think of is Goodfellas, where Jimmy Conway, as played by Robert De Niro, he's the guy where he pulls over the truck driver. You know, they hijack the truck driver, and he goes, and he's, like, taking all their cigarettes or whatever. But he comes up to the, to the truck driver, and he goes, here's the deal. We're taking your, you know, whatever. He's like, we're taking your, your, we're taking your, your cigarettes and your whiskey or whatever. But then he does the, they should think of him tucking the $100 bill into the driver's shirt pocket because he knows the driver has a family to feed and so forth. I'm just saying in a theoretical sense, have we ever really had a burglar or a robber or a criminal like that? No. I mean, that seems like a thing that's only in movies or like in like 1750. It doesn't seem like we've had a lot of gentlemen bandits. So I think it's time that one of those comes back, theoretically speaking, not in reality. You know, like a really polite... So with a walking stick in the top hat? That's, you know, but, but I mean, or like, you know, the, where the, the guy in the story, he says, like, he's a teller, he's like, I'll make it up to you, I'll mail you some cash. You know what I mean? Okay, I'll become one. But I guess it's not her money to be paying back. I mean, it's everybody's money. Well, I'm not I, stealing it personally from her. Well, I suppose, but. But I mean, sorry, I'll, he can't. I'll the sunny side he, of it. he can't send us all money. That's it. Think of all the stamps you'd need. He can't. Not everybody has PayPal. That's just impractical. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. I think it's time for there to be some sort of a uh, some sort of a gentleman bandit to come back into existence. Theoretically, here's Tim Riley. Hitler's maid says he was a great boss. She may be the only person in the world to remember him fondly. But a woman who worked as a maid for Adolf Hitler in the 1930s said he was a great boss. Hitler. I barely knew her. All right. Yes, he was a charming man. Someone who was always nice to me and a great boss to work for, says Rosa Mittner, who's what? 91. Mittner. Mm -hmm. I barely knew her. You can say what you like, but he was a good man to us. Why would you open your mouth and make these statements? How uh, old is she? 91. Look, you only got like another three or four days before God takes you home. Stifle it. This is not the time to start saying Hitler was a great guy. I mean, really, if you're closer to the end than you are the beginning, let's be honest. What's her name? Rhonda? No, her name is uh, Rosa. Rosa. Rosa Mittner. You're 91. You were Hitler's secretary. Right now, there's... Maid. You were Hitler's maid. Right now... There's a book being written with your name in it. There is a reckoning. There's a, there is an adding and a tallying up that is happening. Now is not the time to blow the gig. You know what I mean? That's like that's like at a job interview, and on the way out, you tell the you you tell the job interviewer that like that daughter in the picture frame on his desk is really a nice piece, and you'd like some of that. You don't do that. So you've made it to 91. No one has killed you for being Hitler's maid. 
You're going to be with Jesus soon if he lets you in. Don't start saying Hitler was a charming guy now. That's just undermining your own cause. And silly. So she worked at Hitler's Bavarian Mountain Retreat alongside her sister Anne. Hitler's Bavarian Mountain Retreat totally sounds like a restaurant. <laughs> I hear like this flute, like this. I, I Don't you hear like some oom-pa-pa music? Welcome to Hitler's Bavarian Mountain Retreat. I remember the very first day I spoke with him in the kitchen. I said I was Anne's si uh, sister, and it made him smile because Anne was his favorite. I only knew Hitler as a kind man who was very good to me. Her duties include sorting thousands of letters sent to the home and feeding the dogs. Hitler also ordered the maiden and her sister to attend church on a regular basis. Of course, because he was a man of God. And I didn't have to be a Nazi party member or anything, she said. After a while, I relaxed a bit. Apparently, it was Hitler's order that Anne and I be taken to church every Sunday because he thought it would be good for us. I love the idea that at some point when you're Hitler's maid, you can relax. Like, it, you know... And Hitler's forcing her to go to church. That's yeah. You know, eventually, you know, so, you know, you don't even see him as a boss anymore. He's more of a friend, you know. Um, he signs my paychecks, but uh, you know, I'd say we're, uh, I'd say we're pals at this point. So after the war, she uh, decided that. Uh, Do you put that on a resume? You know, putting down like, uh, I'm sorry, Miss Mintner, I'm looking at your resume. It seems like there's a, a bit of an employment gap here. Um, 1936, and then sudden, abruptly in 1945, uh, you're unemployed. But it doesn't really, the years in between are not really accounted for. It's here applying at Apple One. <laughs> Sit there and type, will you? I mean. But I'm Hitler's I mean, maid. Here, here at the, I mean, uh, you know, here at, uh, here at, here at, uh, you know, here at uh, Jurgen's House of Bavarian Treats, um, you know, we're always looking for go-getters. It's just, uh, you do have this nine-year period where you're, you're unaccounted for. Can you, um, was, it, was that you're going to school or was that uh, personal time? Backpacking uh, over the Alps to freedom. What were you doing in that nine-year period? And then there's just, well, this and that. All right, Hitler's made. Hitler's made. Seen. All right. Uh, well, Jesus, it's like 11:40 uh, or 12:40. Already. Let's take a break. Back at well when you're talking about Hitler's made, Tim. The time flies. Uh, back after this, it's 503-733-2970. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello there. Hey, how you doing? What's up? Hey, I was wondering, have you ever heard of, he was a French criminal, uh, Albert Spaggiari, uh, I may be pronouncing this wrong, Spaggiari, I think it is? No, sir. Okay, uh, he was kind of a gentleman bandit kind of guy. Mm -hmm. He, uh, Him and his gang, they tunneled underneath a bank. Then broke through the bottom of it during like a, like a holiday weekend, robbed the place clean, even sat down for wine and pate before they before they got out of the ball. Of course. And then uh, you know they got away with it clean until uh, this guy's girlfriend ratted him out to the cops. Mm -hmm. And so uh, and so you know during the trial he uh, opted to defend himself. And I guess uh, you know he he had a plan with someone on the outside. And uh, so he. Uh, so like you know, I guess he was cross-examining a witness, or I don't know what happened, but he just ran out of an open window in the courtroom, got on the back of, a, or landed on the roof of a car, crushing it, and jumped on the back of a motorcycle and sped away. Fantastic. And ne never to be seen again, or the money, except uh, the guy whose car he, uh, you know, he crushed the roof, got 
got a, got a, a check in the mail. A check in the mail. So, sorry about the roof, monsieur. Exactly. That, see, that's what I'm talking about. And then he sped away into the annals of history and legend. Yeah, yeah. Um, they uh, on uh, Wikipedia, I think it was. They refer to him as the French DB Cooper. The French DB Cooper. Okay, I'm totally going to look him up after the show. Thank you, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. Great, great. The show. Everybody. All right. Thank you. All right. There you go. Yeah. See, DB Cooper's kind of like that. You know, he didn't really mail any money to anybody, but you know, he ushered everybody off the plane. Nobody got hurt. Whatever. So. All right, I'm just saying. Uh, one more, then we'll uh, continue with the news. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hey, Rick. Hey. I want to let you know about a uh, movie that came out about four or five years ago mm. called Downfall. Downfall. Okay, what is that? It's, uh, it's a foreign film. It's uh, based on the last three or four days of Hitler's life, based on the true accounts of one of his secretaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pardon me. With the Hiller story, it made me think of that. It's, so is it just sort of, I mean, what are the last four days? A lot of sitting around, you know, so where well, do you want to kill yourself? Like it, um, in one of the scenes, his, uh, all of his generals are standing there around a table while they're hunkered down in this bunker, and they're um, surrounded by uh, the Allied troops. And he's like, get the troops out there and uh, make sure they attack these people, attack these people, attack these people. And the generals are going, we don't have anybody left. And, what are you talking about? And really, I mean, and you hear a lot about how, you know, at the end, the generals began to wonder about the logic of Hitler's plans. And and you should sort of ask yourself, like, at what point didn't they, like, when did that all make sense to them? I mean, you got to picture Hitler sitting in a room with those guys and laying out the whole thing and everybody at some point... I mean, at some point, it must have made sense to them. <laughs> they must have gone, by God, you're right, Hitler. That's a great idea. I don't see how it could possibly go wrong. The, the really idea that at the end they were beginning to question Hitler is pretty funny. Well, the, uh, the really crazy thing is, even though that uh, they realized he was completely insane, uh-huh. um, they still had such devotion or devotion to uh, the cause uh-huh. that they're like, well, we won't be taken alive kind of attitude. Well, less work for us, I guess. It, it's a really, really good movie, though. It's, it's worth a watch. Downfall. Downfall. All right. Thank you, sir. No problem. All right. There you go. As Eddie Izzard once said, he was imagining the last conversation. Remember, like, 11.05 when I said we were done talking about Hitler? Uh, but Eddie Izzard had that great that great joke where he was talking about them. Talking about Hitler in the bunker with Ava Braun, you know, like, as the Allies are kicking down the door. Where would where should we spend our honeymoon? I don't know. How about a ditch uh, on fire covered in petrol? Here's Tim Riley. So let's talk about the uh, job situation. The number of newly laid off people signing up for unemployment topped by 21,000 to 509,000. Is that for the whole country or is that just recent or that new? Is for the whole country. That's just for the whole country. The new number. It is a 26-year high. 26-year high. So that would be 1982? Yes. So 80- Sarah Dillon was just a toddler. Sarah, seriously. You were a, so I'm trying to think of 82 well, I guess 82, I guess, I guess that came on the heels of, see, but it's like they were saying uh, the last, what's the thing they were saying last week that the, you know, everybody's kind of talking about it now, but we've been in a recession for, what, 18 months or something, or since 2007 or whatever. And so 82 would actually kind of make sense, because everything started to go to hell in a handbasket under Carter. And so then when Reagan took office, you know, it took Reagan a couple years to even try to sort of right the ship. Mm. And Costco reported a bigger than expected drop in same store sales. I find that hard to believe because I always see crowds of people. Is that store to store over two years or whatever? Yeah. In other words, not across. That's like this store. You know, the way this location sold as opposed to way we the way it sold last year. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, it's all about that uh, zombie ad campaign, that viral marketing thing. But you know, no one ever listens to that. You'd think that Costco would be making a lot of money now because 
Costco's the place where you can go and you can buy like things in bulk. Seriously, you can go. You can be like you can be like one of those traders in the uh, those uh, those traders in the old uh, movies where it's like, what do you need? I just need a gourd and a bag of flour or whatever. All right. Well, there you go. You can't when you've lost Costco, you've lost America. Uh, AIG, the recipient of 152 billion dollars in federal bailouts, plans to double the salaries of more than 100 managers. Sorry, there was just a moment there where I was clenching my fists and fighting off the urge to Some scream. Some could get as much as a half million dollars. Come on! Sorry, 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 sorry. That was me. Sorry about that. Sorry. Let me repeat that. Okay, no, see, no. AIG no. plans to double the salaries no. of more than 100 managers. Come on! You didn't give me a chance to brace. Some could get as much as a half million dollars. Yeah! All right. Managers. Stop! 100 managers. Stop, I can't. I haven't girded my loins. All right. I just uh, Weasel tongue devils in suits and ties. Seriously. Are you kidding me? No. I don't lie. And where is this? AIG. The goal. The recipient of more than $150 billion from your tax is money. Is this the same group that was off getting the facials and rub downs and massages? That's them. Oh, sons of bitches. Now Seriously. Now they by their own. Someday. I'm looking at the book right now. I'm looking at the book, which is normally reserved for individuals. I'm just saying. I think it might be appropriate in this case. They're going to get raises of how much? They're going to double the salaries of more than 100 managers. How much? As much as a half million dollars. Well, that's great. Why not? You know, this is a good time to mention something else. I wish I had the email in front of me. Let's see if I let's see if I printed it out. I don't. I'll find it right here. Maybe this is the wrong time to talk about this, but I'll. But maybe not. Maybe there. Maybe there's no. Maybe there's no better place in the show where it's going to kind of fit. So let me look. I got an email. Oh, while you're doing that, why don't I play these uh, hecklers heckling the uh, big three CEOs? Heckler in uh, Washington. Okay. <laughs> Part two of Otto Hecklers. The flip side. Let's all agree on a slogan, please. I know. Someone in the back, start directing. Seriously, is it too hard to send out an email? Here's what we're going to chant. It sounds like PCU when they're doing the protest where they were not going to protest. Right. I mean, is uh, for, when Lee, okay, here's the thing. Lisa was telling us about this earlier, and she said that there was a group of people there on KCMD Portland who were protesting uh, the bailout and whatever, and they were they were saying, rightly so, by the way, that this money could be used to go to, what are they called, the poor, who, I'll be all a uh, high horse about it, but the poor who were never, ever, 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 ever discussed in this country. It is almost as though we'd like to think they don't exist. And you know, all the way through the election, all the way through the campaign cycle, God, God love, you know, whoever, and, you know, Barack Obama is our president-elect, and everyone needs to rally behind him and so forth, but Barack Obama all the way through it never said the word poor, ever, uh, and he never said the words lower and class together. It was a lot of, what I'm going to do is I'm going to help bail out the middle class, and it's, you know, meanwhile, the lower class is sitting there eating bags of dirt for dinner, or kind of going, hey, we're, you know, we even, have, we're, we have less, we're, we're poor, we actually don't have anything... I don't even have it as, you know, and meanwhile, every time he talks about bailing out the middle class, I picture that stupid infomercial that Barack Obama ran where the first family, it was some group of nitwits that had like nine kids and a huge SUV and a house in the suburbs they obviously couldn't afford when they bought it. And meanwhile, it's like, no, 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 we need to, we need to help those folks out. You don't need to help them out. I'm telling you right now, this is Rick Emerson telling you, you don't need to help them at all, ever, at all. 
It, it, but meanwhile, every single debate, the words poor and lower class were never used. Because I guess they don't. I guess if you're poor, you don't need help. I guess magically, like Tinkerbell appears and puts, you know, puts food in your cupboard. So it was good to hear that there were going to be some people there, sort of, you know, protesting on behalf of the lower class who might actually, I don't know, need some help. But but then it's just the same bunch of discombobulated boobs that always is. I had such high hopes for it, but instead it's just it sounds like 15 stinky hippies. Uh, wearing, like, bad, like, macrame scarves, all of them chanting different slogans, none of them can be understood. And you know that that was, that was like five seconds before their skulls were cracked by Capital Security who kicked them out. And that's not even interesting. Going and chanting something is not interesting. Even if it rhymes. you got to do better than that. That's, that's, we've moved past that era. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's like having a charcoal sketch. you got to have full animation at this point. Jesus. AT&T plans to get 12,000 jobs. Now, AT&T is in uh, several businesses, such as wireless, video, and broadband. Just how on earth could they be losing money in any of those things? I was going to say, maybe they were just cutting uh, the telegraph portion of their uh, their workforce. I don't understand. Wireless, video, and broadband. I don't understand that either, since mm -hmm. every single day, more people get broadband, not less. Mm -hmm. There is more traffic online, not less. There are more applications, programs, pieces of hardware and software for all of these things, not less. It sounds like a fleecing of the American public. Yes, it does. Doesn't it almost sound like this? It's uh, a scorched earth plan of the people in power right now. Doesn't it almost seem like the economy is being used as a cloak or an excuse just to do uh, just to do a lot of trimming back that they might have wanted to do already? Like doubling the salaries of more than 100 managers and bonuses up to a half million dollars. Is That's that what we're then. speaking of? Well, I'm sure they worked hard for the money. Uh, we've got, well, so this is, this is a good time to read this email. And I, by the way, I apologize if it sounds like we've suddenly, like, turned on the hate spigot in the last few minutes. But what are you going to do? F those guys. Seriously. J j F them savagely and without mercy. With something pointy that has spikes on the outside of it. Teach them a damn good lesson. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, so, you know, so we'll get back to talking about the, I always say boobs. I don't think I have any boob news. Hold on. I got I got a story about the Microsoft. I'm sure I can find a story about boobs somewhere with very little effort. I got a story about the Microsoft Zune. That's kind of funny. Um, oh, and I also found a bunch of drugs in my basement. Uh, not you know not like crack. Um, well, you know the story. I told Sarah part of the story. Well, sort of. You do live in Southeast. Yeah. No. It's there's an interesting story. I, it's nothing illegal, sort of. Uh, but I found a bunch of uh, stuff in my basement the other night while looking for my Christmas mugs, which still haven't been found. So we'll get to that here in a moment because that's amusing. Later on, we'll do the greatest songs ever made. Uh, Dennis Pitzenbarger, top five comeback albums, uh, folks from the Found Footage Film Festival, more from Tim Riley, your calls. But this is a good time to read this email, because I don't, I don't want to seem as though I'm just ignoring it. This is Rick. Why the disproportionate hatred for auto companies? Here's something I don't understand. Why the insanely disproportionate hatred for auto companies? I'll say ahead of time, my family's been employed by GM for two generations. Luckily, I was able to break the chain and move on. If they go down, my family's going to fall pretty hard. I agree one of the problems is mismanagement from the top down, which they've chosen to correct by firing people at the bottom who made none of these decisions. He says, but what I don't get is why the intense hatred and bitching about these guys getting money to keep running. Uh, what the auto companies are getting is a fraction of the money that's being doled out to failed companies. No one has the same hatred and anger at AIG. Oh, we do. We just um, invented that. Uh, or the bank's that. lenders that have failed and are getting 10 to 20 times this. Uh, the last two weeks, the big three have been getting hammered. Um, uh, they were not being loaned money by banks because they were not uh, not because they were failing because the other guilty parties had already effed the economy so bad. No one was lending, uh, and the banks were themselves were failing. Anyway, he says it seems to me all this anger could be focused on the entities responsible for this collapse, not the casualties of it. 
um, why the disproportionate hatred for the auto industry. I can't speak for anybody else. I can't speak for the for the media. I'd say there's a couple reasons. The one is a real basic and prosaic reason, which is just that Americans, and I'm including myself in this, we're kind of dumb, and we have a limited attention span, and we can really only focus on like one thing at a time, maybe one and a half. And it was AIG at a certain point, mm-hmm. and it was the $700 billion bailout, bailout to banks and lenders. And then there was, remember, there was a couple of days where it was Washington Mutual, because they were giving that guy a bonus, uh, you know, uh, whatever his name is, the, the guy. Jimmy, Jimmy, whatever. Jimmy, Jimmy, spend a lot. The guy, the, the Washington Mutual that came in and everything kind of went to hell and they gave me a huge bonus. Yeah. So we were talking about Washington Mutual. Um, we had started talking about, there were other banks we had discussed as well. The, the big three are sort of what's in the news now, but that's just because they're the guys in front of the Senate. I mean, it was their turn. They are there, hat in hand, asking for money in front of the Senate. They're on camera every day. They're in the news every day. And right now, uh, you know, some of these other companies just aren't. So that's the first thing, is that we really only have time to focus on one of these companies, you know, per week. And right now, it's just the the turn of the big three auto industries. Um, Secondly, I do have to say, I know that they're not getting lent money by banks and institutions and so forth, because those those other institutions did screw up the economy. But really, you do have to say, they should have seen a lot of this coming. They should have seen the oil crisis coming. They should have seen that people are not going to be able to not going to be able to, to either want to or afford to buy huge gas guzzling automobiles. I mean, the car has been around for over a century. You've had over a century to figure out a way to make it run on something else. I mean, all of this should have been handled. You should have had plans for the future. You should have had the umbrella, you know, the auto industry. I'm not talking about the guys at the bottom, guys at the top. They they went through all of this in the 70s. They got screwed badly by the economy and then by the Japanese in the 70s because the Japanese were making small fuel-efficient cars that people were actually going to buy. So the auto industry should have seen this coming the second time around. I mean, you got to have a backup plan, and they just didn't. Um, is there a thirdly? I guess thirdly... I thought is you were this at length. I, well, I think we've talked about it, uh, but, I mean, you know, it is a very specific question. And I won't, I won't say who it is, but it's from a longtime friend of the show who says, mm-hmm. points out his family is in the auto industry, and that they're going to take it in the shorts if these companies go down, which sucks. I'm not trying to diminish that, but, I mean, A, it's, they're just the guys in the news this week. B, it is largely their own fault because... One of the ways to uh, protect against this business of the banks going under and not being able to give them any money is to have some sort of a – because part of the reason they're asking for this $34 billion, right, is to say, well, we need to retrain factories and workers, and we need to design cars that we can actually sell. When that stuff you could have been doing when you had – that is stuff they could have been doing with the profits they were making all these years. Mm-hmm. All these years they were making billions and billions of dollars. They could have been using those billions of dollars to fund this equipment change, the factory update, the training of workers, and the designing of new cars. But now that they've just suddenly, you know, that all the money is gone, now they realize they never made any alternate plans, and they're asking the government to fund these alternate plans that could have been made 50 years ago. And finally, I would note we do uh, sort of take equal shots because, because we were... Tucker, a man in his dream. Because, yeah, exactly, Tim. Because we were just moments ago, I think... Um, Thinking ill against the folks at AIG. Boy, F them. F them like they have never been F'd. I cannot believe that. That is just that's staggering. Not surprising, but staggering. All right. Here's Tim Riley. More job cuts. NBC will cut 500 jobs. Layoffs have begun. Viacom will cut 850 jobs. Here's something strange. <laughs> Teenage girls are accused of groping Alzheimer's patients. Two teenage girls 
who worked at a nursing home have been charged with abuse, accused of taunting, spitting on, groping the breasts and genitals of uh, residents who oh, suffer from all commerce and oh other dementia God. disorders. Hold on, where's the book? Where's the, the where's love the of point? God? This happened in uh, Minneapolis, outside of Minneapolis. All right, hold on. Do we have names? We do. 19-year-old Brianna Breutzman. Uh, hold on, one N or two? Two N's. Two N. Brianna, how do you spell Breutzman? B-R-O-I-T-Z-M-A-N. Okay, Brianna Breutzman. And 18-year-old Ashton Larson. Ashton Larson. All right, and this is where? Minnesota? This is Minnesota. They laughed as they spat in the residents' mouths, poked and grabbed them, and at times mocked them until they screamed. They work as part-time A's at this home. They will be charged as adults. Four other teens who worked with them at the Good Samaritan Society were charged as juveniles for failing to report the incident. So a total of eight teens were allegedly involved in these incidents. There was no record of criminal charges being filed against two of them. These two girls that we just mentioned, Bartsman and Larson, are charged with assault, abuse of a vulnerable adult by a caregiver, abuse by a vulnerable adult with sexual contact, disorderly conduct, and failing to report suspected mistreatment, all are gross misdemeanors. If found guilty, Bardsman and Larson most likely will face suspended jail sentences and probation. Oh, you know, here's the thing. So they do have the threat of jail hanging over them if they get in more trouble. So if they do this again. If they do this again. So if they decide to go groping and beating an old person again, then there might be some sort of a punishment. Mm -hmm. So they're facing likely suspended sentences and probation? Mm -hmm. Well... Let me just say, first of all, they're in the book. Uh, you, Brianna Breutzman and Ashton Larson, Minnesota, abuse of elderly Alzheimer's patients. You are now in the book, and you will be dealt with in the appropriate fashion at the appropriate time. There will be a reckoning, and things will be set right. So there you go. That being said, I don't even know that we'll need to wait that long, because I'm telling you right now. The quickening. I, well, not, ju not just the quickening, Tim. They get suspended sentences in probation, which means they are not locked up in a jail cell. Jail cells are good because they, uh, you know, they keep you off the streets. But it has to also be said that jail cells, uh, to some degree, I would imagine, also protect criminals from the family members of their victims. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me that if they get suspended sentences, in other words, if they don't get any jail time in the route, as they say, walk in the streets, I'm just going to make the observation that... If someone was, you know, spitting on and, oh, I don't know, savagely beating an Alzheimer's victim relative of yours in a nursing home, and that person wasn't in a jail cell protected from you by bars, I'm just saying things happen. You know, God forbid that their, their paths cross with the wrong relative of one of those patients, because, you know, because there might be a serious talking to, a discussion that would happen. Strong words might be said. Exactly. So, uh... You know, as uh, as the man says in the movie, uh, if uh, some uh, one of those fates should befall him, that I do not forgive, and I'm going to blame some of the people in this room. So I have a feeling that if they're just set back uh, into society with no jail time, somebody's going to hear about that, and uh, you know that's going to work itself out, and we won't we won't have to worry about them anymore. There you go. Here's Tim Riley. Remember that guy from Oregon, that crazy yeah, man him. swimming a sword, a swing a sword around the Scientology Center in Hollywood. No charges. Well, he's dead, isn't he? That's right. <laughs> Is that why they're not charging him? No. Was he dead? When he, they killed him. He's dead. All right. No charges. Is he dead, Sarah? Oh, no charges against the guy who killed him, I should say. Oh, well. Investigators quickly determined that the shooting was in self-defense. 
Mario Majorski, a 48-year-old Scientology guy from Oregon, has threatened the church for years. And uh, I found a spooky picture of him somewhere. Maybe really? Of the later. guy with the sword? Oh, that's completely spooky. Yeah. Oh, dude. Let's not give him a yeah. second chance. <laughs> oh, that ain't right. Oh, that is bad. Oh, uh, yeah. He's like a mohawk and then a bunch of flame tattoos on his neck and crazy eyes. Uh, he does have crazy eyes. So what is the deal? He got out of his car. Charged the Scientology Center with one sword, but then forgot and had, like, I forgot. Damn it, what did I, what did I forget? Breath mints? No, sword. Went back, got the other sword, charged the Scientology Center, and they shot him. Mm-hmm. Well, that does seem sane and reasonable. I mean, even for a Scientologist. So, all right, well, fair enough. So, if you're the leader of Canada and people disagree with you, why not just shut down the parliament so you can keep power? That's what's happening in Canada as their Prime Minister Stephen Harper shut down parliament. It was an unprecedented attempt to keep his government in power, fending off a no-confidence vote. Can you do that? Well, I guess you can. He just did for the first time. Now Canadians are godless. Mm-hmm. Less than two months after winning re-election, he successfully asked the unelected representative of the head of the state of power to close down Parliament until January 26. Enough time to uh, come up with a stimulus package that could prop up the economy. So, uh, yeah, he sent everybody home because they disagreed with him. You won't be allowed to vote today. Please leave. Flappy head, flappy head. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Harrison Show. Hello there. Hello. Hey, first, before I get to my point, I just want to point out, Hitler, AIG, Canadians, and these two girls, yeah. is the lunch hour now the new hate hour? I think so. It's a full hour of unfettered hate, my friend, brought to you by the folks at CBS Radio. I just wanted to call shenanigans on the Hitler-made story, but now I just, I hate everything. What do you mean you call shenanigans? I it, it seems odd to me, and this happens in the press once in a while, where somebody who is associated with maybe Tom Cruise or Brian Singer is wanting a story about Hitler out right before Valkyrie. Oh, I see. So you're saying that you believe this story to be a little bit uh, possibly fabricated because they're trying to drum up some sort of buzz about this Hitler film that Cruise has got coming out. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, that happens all the time, but usually the fingerprints of PR are all over. i got to tell you that it actually never even occurred to me. So well well spotted. That had actually never... I just thought it was your run-of-the-mill maid story. You're running <laughs> Only from Hitler. <laughs> With an extra dash of Hitler. Rosa? I mean, I don't, I'm not saying Rosa doesn't exist. Maybe she does. I'm not saying that she wasn't the maid. But over the last 60 years... Some ball reporter wouldn't have interviewed her and had that quote at some point. I guess that's a good point. Like, why would like why would Rosa wait until this month to talk about that? I mean, you were Hitler's maid in like 1943. Why this month? Let it let it let it ruminate. You know, let it let it let it. Perk she a may have bit a new longer. agent. That's true. Well, that, or it is, okay. Here's the thing. It is possible though. You, we may both be right here, sir. It is possible that that is an old quote from her that the journalist went and dug up. Because I mean, I guess the story is still accurate. I mean, let, assuming that assuming that she is alive and she did say those things. The story is still accurate. It's just not necessarily time-stamped. Right. In other words, you know, uh, so they just kind of dressed it up in new clothes and rolled her quotations out in this new story. So the PR people from this Valkyrie film might have said, look, uh, have you got any uh, uh, Hitler news we can get uh, published, anything? I mean, let me pull the file and blow the dust off. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. And didn't we just have a Hitler story last week? It was that bookmark. It was that golden bookmark. I'm talking about. Do you think Tom Cruise planted that bookmark, bookmark in Tacoma? Well, it's Scientologist. This, the timing is sort of strange now that I think about it. Because that's two Hitler stories, but not like historical. In other words, it's not like one of those, like, you know, again, it's not like a History Channel thing where that's just history. It's sitting there waiting to talk to that guy into swinging the sword to get himself killed. These are two, we're not saying that. These are two recent developments in the world of Hitler. Which you'd think there'd be a finite number of those left there. Like, how much new news could there possibly be about Hitler mm-hmm. now coming out the same month? So maybe that's the shadowy hand of public relations behind this. Or well spotted. Well, and then the other thing is, is whenever they do this, 
the movie is just a big bag of poo. <laughs> That's going to be the new tagline for it. Well, as for what it's worth, I hear good things. I want movie it to be good. It's just a I, big I bag too. of poo. Yeah. All right. Thank I you. Will enjoy your day. Thank you, sir. The big. Ba- no, we need to talk about something happy. This is all just Hitler and people not being all depressed. Well, the good news is Hitler's dead. So that's and true. spent his honeymoon on fire in a ditch. So that's unfortunately it, you know. these white collar criminals. We seem to be multiplying. Them. I was just gonna say though. I mean, really, but yeah. I mean, for every Hitler you get rid of, you you know, you get five AIGs. There's just no uh, capitalism no, is working like, so well at the moment. Yeah, like like roaches, Sarah. Hey, if it'll cheer you up later on, I can read a movie review you'll find funny. Okay. Speaking of bad Well, movies. here's something to make everybody feel better. Ooh, and then we'll read this thing about the Zune. It says here, General Motors could be lost by the end of this month. Hurrah. Lost. It was just here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they're saying. So uh, we have a whole bunch of sound bites to play here. First, uh, we have this uh, Wagner fellow. He is the uh, CEO of GM. Uh, he said he learned some painful lessons from the past. I bet he did. And this success is achievable if we can weather the global financial crisis and the lowest level of U.S. auto sales on a per capita basis in over 50 years. Uh, and also if you give us $34 billion. That's also yeah. that. I don't forget that. Uh, then the union people are urging the lawmakers to help out the big three. To enable them to continue operations and to avoid the disastrous consequences that their liquidation would involve for millions of workers and retirees and for our entire nation. I need someone to go Toyota. bore out that guy's nasal passages right now so he can properly pronounce his ends. What? Why does he go work for Toyota? Now, they have factories here. But now, somebody, somebody told me that Toyota and Honda are not union. They, oh, they may not be. Somebody told me that Toyota and Honda, and I'm just going to make this observation, and this is, uh, well, I won't say who. Sometimes I keep people's names out of things, and I don't know if I have to. Yeah. But, yeah, I can never really tell. You know, sometimes people work in an industry and whatever. Yeah, Horace. Uh, Horace. Yeah. Now, we got a, I got an email from Horace who knows a thing or two about the auto industry. We'll put it that way. And it's not, it's not Brad. Um, but this guy, Horace, who knows, I would say knows a lot about the U.S. auto industry. And he sent me an email yesterday. It's not in front of me. It's not to paraphrase. But I do believe he said that Honda and Toyota here in America are not unionized. But he did specifically note they have good jobs for good pay. Even they are not unionized. Mm-hmm. And that, that is why they are weathering this. Maybe, you know, it's not a good time to be in any business, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said they're weathering this, you know, really in a much better way than the big three are. And it's because the big three, to some degree, are beholden to unions. Uh, who, you know, and they, they sort of just that they're, you know, and they're, they're both in some weird that the unions and the big three are in this weird, like, beat it video knife fight thing where they're lashed together at the wrist, uh, you know, and meanwhile the building is on fire around them. So I don't know if that's true or not. I don't want to turn into a big, like, car union discussion. But that was, that, was his, that was his take on it anyway, is that Toyota and Honda aren't unionized in America and that that's why there's no firings happening there. But I don't really know. The auto industry has spent nearly $50 million lobbying Congress in the first nine months of this year. And people down to the auto industry uh, gave another $15 million in campaign contributions. Well, you got to spend money to steal money, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, take Senator Carl Levin, who received $438,000 from the auto industry, and House Representative Joe Cullenberg, who received 879000 John Dingle got nearly a million dollars from the auto industry. I'm not giving any money to a guy named Dingle. Mm-hmm. Seriously. I'm not giving any money to a guy whose name is a schoolyard taunt and, and, and uh, you know a slang term for nitwit. Hey, Dingle! No, you're not handling my money. 
So these are all those uh, people fighting for these auto companies. By the way, in case anybody thinks that we're spending too much time talking about stories like, oh, I don't know, AIG having a, you know, doubling salaries of some of their managers. I believe that's what's going on outside this building. And would you like to see, uh, I apologize that you all can't see this. I'll give a description. Here's an email I just got from a listener. It is an email. It is an entire page. And I would say probably... 18-point type, and it just says, F those guys, over and over and over again. I would say about 300 times. Mm-hmm. So that is the tone of America today. Right. Here's... It's not business as usual. No, There's it's... no business going on as usual. No, no, no business is usual, Tim. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, let's see, I have something else coming up. Is right. it about the Zune? No, it is not. Right. You're, really, you're really excited about the Zune. Only because it's weird. Let, well, My let, friend Tucky has a Zune. Okay, I got a whole... Um, now, where is the Zune You know, story? No, 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 let I got it over here. No, 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 okay. I got it over here. No, no, that, no, do it right that, now. That. Uh, you know what I got? I'm going to stop this news till I hear that story. No, I'm going to queue up the uh, the Obama... I haven't really made a full Obama watch sounder yet, but you know what I can use uh, in the meantime, Tim Riley, as like our Obama watch? Yes, what? Here's what I can use in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen... Uh, just to amuse ourselves today, we will give you this. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, Obama Watch. M. Edge Productions, Obama. Uniting our country, yeah. America, Obama. A moment in our history. Here's Tim Riley with your Obama watch. So we have three stories, and Obama makes everybody feel good. He does. So there. So feel good for a few minutes. We'll get back to the reality of life in just a moment. Oh, by the way, did you see that ad that the U.S. Mint put out with, like, the Obama coins aren't from us. We we didn't make them. Quit asking. So I guess those coins uh, are just, they're so omnipresent now, the U.S. Mint is actually having to, like, let people know that they're not, like, from the government. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley with your triple Obama watch. A small central Alabama county whose mainly blank residents gave Barack Obama more than 70% of the vote on Election Day, have created an annual holiday in honor of the president-elect. Perry County Commission voted 4-1 to one to observe the second Monday in November as Barack Obama Day. County offices will close, and roughly 40 workers will get a paid holiday. Excellent. Good for them. The majority of the county's 12,000 residents are black. The county commission's three black members and one or two of its uh, white voters uh, Voted fourth. You know, here's speaking of uh, them, like because that's that's a pretty fast turnaround. That's like less than a month. Um, speaking of them already having a Barack Obama day, here's a, a story that was floated, and then I never know. I never knew the resolution of it, and it was a fascinating story that I, I don't think it got as much play as it would have if we hadn't been in the election cycle. There's a story that I know we on this program would have jumped all over. We would have just, and we didn't even really talk about it that much. It was overshadowed by the election. Otherwise, it was just the best story ever. It was, I believe, in San Francisco. What with their values, they did you do you remember that story in San Francisco about a month ago? The city council was voting to name the sewage plant after George W. Bush. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. I remember that. that. See, but yeah. it, that's the thing is, like, it was there on the radar, but then it was right before the election. Right. And you know, the, you, let's all remember now the the shared trauma of the election. It was just crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the election was just. It's weird to think that we all kind of lived through that without going nuts. The election was just such a madhouse, but. There was San Francisco. They were voting to name the sewage treatment plant. It was going to be like the George W. Bush sewage plant. Uh-huh. And the Bush administration was all irritated about it. And, you know, the, the right wing was getting all cranked. It's disrespectful. But they said they were going to do it. They're like, screw it. We're, we're naming a sewage plant, uh, literally a plant filled with S, after George W. Bush. But I don't know if it ever happened or not. 
So we have to look into that. That is a good question. All right. Well, that's your part one of your Obama watch. Part two. According to the Philadelphia City Paper, President-elect Barack Obama was spotted listening to a Zoom music player during a morning workout this week. If so, he'd be the first person in all of human history to be spot, uh, spotted using a Zoom. He could do for Zoom what Jackie Kennedy did for hats. Pillbox hats. Mm-hmm. I've seen a Zoom in action. I know what it looks like, according to a writer, Neil Santos, who reports... Uh, on the president-elect, the paper filed a follow-up undoubtedly in response to the high interest, clarifying that if it not had confirmed that the Zoom he was using was actually his own, maybe they speculate it was borrowed. So this, is, but, so here's the deal. So the Zoom, that's a, a that's story that squirts music, right? Yes, it does. Into uh, your ear? <laughs> into your eye. <laughs> Hold on. Liquid music. Seriously. No, no. I've got, oh, crap. I've got Kelly Clarkson in my is eye. squirting or spurting? Squirting. No, I couldn't. No, I Ask me that question again. Was it squirting or spurting? Richie. Uh, uh, the, uh, no, the, the Zoom, they have that wireless feature where if you're within like 15 feet of another person with a Zoom, you can, quote, squirt music to but them. But you never are because nobody has them. But nobody, but that's the thing is, unless, unless you're your friend Tuggy and Tuggy is, is sleeping in the Lincoln bedroom, uh, you can't do it because no one owns them. Now, that being said, I don't own, first of all, I don't own a Microsoft Zoom. No one does. Uh, the bulk of people uh, own iPods. You know, iPod has a lion's yeah. share of the market. They'll get in around that. And let me just say, because I'm often accused falsely, by the way, of being a, of being an Apple hater, and I'm not. I will say the the iPod is intuitive. It's very sleek, stylish. Lots of music. The iTunes Store is kind of kind of cumbersome, but it works really well with the you know works really well with the product. The the iPod is great. If all you really want is to be able to like uh, you know buy songs and, and play them on something small, easy to use iPod, best bet. If you got a mom, and I don't mean this in a snarky way, mom, grandparent, an older person uh, who wants to use a music player, iPod is absolutely the way to go. Simple, basic, intuitive, all of that. I don't use one because I got a you know a creative Zen, which I believe to be superior in every way. Uh, that being said, you know the iPod is, is sort of the deal. No one, but no one uses a Zoom though, because a Zoom is Zoom is from Microsoft. Zoom is Microsoft's attempt to dethrone iPod. And but here's what people don't, you know, because everybody talks about how Microsoft runs everything and they own everything and whatever. What no one really remembers is that everything Microsoft makes sucks for like 10 years. Yes. Every single thing that Microsoft has now that even kind it of is works. the slowest thing imaginable. No, they every it, time. The thing about Microsoft is Microsoft is almost it's kind of fascinating actually. Microsoft is sort of like this. It is like watching Darwinism, you know, or the you know the theory of evolution, where it's like first there was like. One-celled organisms, and like then eventually there was Louis Anderson. But you know, between there's all the different stages. Microsoft, like you can see that in action. I mean, I encourage somebody to go back and look at Windows like 1.0 or whatever. Yeah, go back and look at the early versions of Windows. Go back and look at the really early versions of like uh, Microsoft Word or some of their failed uh, things like Microsoft Bob. Go look at Microsoft Bob. Uh, look at Microsoft Money which still hasn't evolved to the point where it's better than Quicken. Quicken just continues to eat Microsoft's lunch all the time. So everything Microsoft has that works now went through about nine different versions where it was just, it both sucked and blew at the same time. So it is with the Zoom. That first, to the point that, like, there are people who probably, somewhere, who maybe buy a first-generation Microsoft or whatever, but I don't know any of them. I think it's just known at this point that you wait until the third version of anything Microsoft makes for you even consider it. Sarah's friend Tuggy bought a Zune, and immediately... And truth be told, I don't think he's very happy dude, with it. it was like the most immediate buyer's remorse 
that I've ever witnessed. I bought this Zune yesterday. How do you liking it? Oh, you know, he just like he couldn't even form words. How's that Microsoft Zoom working out? He was just so sad about it. And I said, and then I was mocking him a little bit. I said, hey, can you uh, you squirt me some music? And he said, shut up. He was all sad. All that being said, I have read some of the reviews of the latest version of the Microsoft Zune, and they say that it's getting better. And this is why you can never turn your back on Microsoft, because their products suck, 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 suck. Great, 98% of the market. That's the thing about Microsoft. You can't ever, don't let yourself get in a room alone with them. The lights go out, reach for your gun, because they're going to come for you. Do you remember when, uh, when like, Netscape, Netscape is probably the first browser we all used. Sarah, Netscape? Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. Okay. Remember when Netscape had 90% of the market? Oh, yeah. I mean, and like, for the I, first I, many, many years yeah. of the Internet. It was yeah, all Netscape. Yeah, I wasn't Netscape. really on the Internet during the first few years. Well, just take it from me. Uh, 90% of all browsers at one point were Netscape. Netscape no longer exists. You know why? Microsoft is everywhere. I mean, Microsoft just came and crushed them. And, you know, Firefox and some of those other browsers are making a little bit of inroads. But, I mean, literally in the space of a couple of years, Netscape went from having everything uh, to being dead and, you know, and, and dead and dismembered in an alley at the hand of Bill Gates, who just pushed and pushed and just absolutely would not give up. And that's the problem with Bill Gates. He just keeps coming. You just can't stop him. Uh, so that being said, I really would like it if Obama had a Zune just because it's like Obama is so unbelievably cool and stylish and suave and debonair. You know, he has such a sense of panache. It'd be great to see Obama with a Zune, because that would let you know that, like, he's not quite as cool as everybody thinks he is. Because he's almost intimidatingly cool. But it would be like seeing him, it'd be like seeing him wearing high water pants and mismatched mm -hmm. socks. You'd be like, aha, you're not that cool, you know? So, if he had a Zune, it would sort of be like catching him with a pocket protector or something. All right. Uh, what's part three of this uh, Obama watched him? The U.S. Supreme Court will consider tomorrow whether to take up a lawsuit challenging Barack Obama's U.S. citizenship. Oh, good Lord. At least for the love of God. Move on. Not the you. suit uh, originally was uh, sought to uh, stay the election and was filed on behalf of Leo Denafrio. <laughs> Nutcase. <laughs> Legal experts say the appeal will have little chance of succeeding. The Obama campaign has maintained he was born in Hawaii, which he was, has an authentic birth certificate, which he does, and is a natural-born U.S. citizen, which he is. And Hawaiian uh, officials agree. Well, I guess some people just have to keep busy, Tim. They have to find matchbook uh, collecting isn't doing it. They have to find. It, here's the thing. You know, I was trying to make that. Uh, I was trying to make that chart a couple months ago, and it, it never really came together. I was trying to do the like, like blank is to idiot uh, liberals as blank is to idiot conservatives. Like I was trying to do the like, uh, you know, I was trying to come up with comparisons. Uh, you know, like faith healing is to idiot conservatives as like. Uh, you know, like homeopathic remedies are to idiot liberals or, you know, whatever. Just I can, you know, cleansing your aura or something. You know, I, no, 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 sit down. I need to hold on. No, your problem is, is that uh, your chakra is uh, off center. Hold on. <laughs> okay, there you go. You've been the, no, your chakra was all, uh, it was kind of listing to port a little bit. There, you're done. So for every idiot piece of, of like liberal thinking, there is an idiot piece of conservative thinking. Uh, like I was thinking, oh, here's another one. Uh, creationism, uh, you know, in other words, God came down and made everything in like 70. Creationism is to idiot conservatives as astrology is to idiot liberals. So there is there are equivalents for all of these. You know what this is? The uh, Obama, not really a U.S. citizen, that is to idiot conservatives as the 9-11 was an inside job is to idiot liberals. Oh, yeah. Everybody has their equivalent. So there you go. Is to, oh, is that the end of the Obama that watch? That is the end of it. Ah, sad. All right, Don't here we go sad. with the end. M. Edge Productions. Oh. 
That's fantastic. Here's Tim That's Riley. Magical. So a follow-up here. Turns out San Francisco voters didn't think naming a local sewage plant after President Bush was a fitting tribute to him or the plant. They rejected Measure R. 69% voted against it. That surprises me. Yeah. Was this in the city of San Francisco? Yes, it is. That really surprises me. Well, they, they didn't want to discredit their sewage treatment plant. <laughs> That's true, I guess. Nobody would ever want to work there. I, I thought I really thought that they would do that as like a, like just a, a thumb in the eye. Well, whatever. It's their city. They, they said the switch would have been unfair to the hardworking sewage plant. Really? Is that what they said? Well, nobody. We don't want to make anybody have to work at the George W. Bush anything. That's a good point. No, that is okay. Never mind. I, I so it said it, it didn't pass because Aaron Geek in the city just wrote me and said it did pass. No, so we must be missing. No, Tim. No, the uh, the Tim news knows. department says yes. no. no news department says no. I don't like being told I'm wrong. No. Well, you are not. <laughs> Somebody's going to be punished. Hey, did you see this thing about a deer attacking the hunter that shot him? We mentioned it yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Did we read it though? I think we did. I don't know if we read it. I think we mentioned it. I'll just read this real quickly. Uh, Dateline, Missouri, a hunter bagged a big buck on the second day of firearm season, but the kill caused him a lot of pain. Randy Goodman said he thought two Randy, we- Randy uh, said he thought the two well-placed shots with his 270 caliber rifle had killed the buck on November 19th. Goodman said the deer looked dead to him. This is like that idiot kid in your block that wants to go inspect a Roman candle. Seconds later, the 9.240-pound animal came to life. The buck rose up, knocked Goodman down, and attacked This is so great. Go deer. Uh, knocked Goodman down and attacked him with his antlers in what the veteran hunter called 15 seconds of hell. The deer ran a short distance and went down and died after Goodman fired two more shots. You know, if you were any kind of a man, you would have wrestled the deer. It's already been shot twice. Seriously. you've. Sh- and I'm not some animal rights guy, but I mean, if you want to call it, look, it's either a sport or it's not. You can't shoot the thing four times and still claim that it's a sport. A sport, it seems, has sort of competition on each side of this. If you've already shot the thing twice with a hunting rifle and you're still not able to, like, you know, get a hold of it, it's not really, uh, it doesn't really seem like, uh, like you're much of a man or it's much of a sport. Uh, anyway, let's see. The deer ran a short distance, went down, and died after the gutless Goodman fired two more shots. Soon, Goodman started feeling dizzy and noticed his vest was soaked in blood. So he reached his truck and drove to a hospital where he received seven staples in his scalp and was treated for a slight concussion and bruises. Well, I'd like to think this is the beginning of something. I'd like to think this is an indicator. The canary in the coal mine, a harbinger. I would like now to urge all members of the animal kingdom to rise up and fight back against your oppressors. That's a message from me, Rick Emerson. Here's Tim Riley. Chad and Beaverton says he loves the Obama watch. Just add some dingo and the baby at the end. Baby. Okay. That would be genius. Done and done. All right, here's Tim Riley. A fire this morning burned through the roof of the body shop, a landmark West Hollywood strip joint. Not mentioned the... in the motley true hit, Girls, Girls, Girls. Body shop in the Marble Arch. Mm-hmm. Started at quarter of seven this morning at the one-story club on Sunset mm. Strip. Helicopter footage show planes flaming through the roof. Flames, I should say. Nobody was believed to be in the building at the time. L.A. Fire Inspector... Uh, Frank Camaro said they had to close out part of Sunset Boulevard as fire engines and trucks arrived. Streams of water were poured onto the building. That really is too bad. I've never, I mean, I've never been to the body shop, but it is, as you said, immortalized in, in Girls, 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 which is just a list of strip clubs. Um, great song. Listen to it last night, actually. Because I was thinking about that Nickelback song. There's something in your mouth. We have not played that in, in far too long. Well, we don't have to because it's on the radio apparently all the time everywhere. And it's the number four download on iTunes. We can play it later today if you want. Um, but I was thinking about Girls, Girls, Girls and how... Because somebody accused me of being ageist. Somebody said, you know, well, why are you making fun of that Nickelback song? 
You know, when you're like a big fan of whatever, you know, like Motley Crue or, or you know, or, you know, whatever it is. They say, you know, it's just, you know, you're just kind of clinging on to stuff from your from your youth and thinking it was cool, but that, you know, that, you know, it, there's no difference. And I think the difference between that Nickelback song and the Motley Crue song, in my opinion, I mean, maybe Sarah, maybe you could give me more of an insight on this because you're because you don't look at it from the same generational vantage point that I have. Mm-hmm. The difference is, is that like. Like Motley Crue and Girls, 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 to use that example, it does seem like I don't know. It seems like there's a certain amount of it sounds like I'm way overthinking like dumb rock songs. Oh, it's OK. We know you do. But I mean, that Motley Crue song, there's like almost like a little bit of a sense of humor to it. Like it's sort of like a, it's sort of a cheerfully sleazy yes, song. And Nickelback is not that way at all. It's just creepy. He just sounds like a douche, like no, a creepy cool, douche, a creepy douchebag. Yeah. With Mo- doesn't have that, that sense of fun. That yeah. With the Motley. Say, OK, see, I'm glad so it's not mm-hmm. just me being an old guy. No, no. It's just that song sucking. Yeah. The Motley Crue song just it does sound like it's sort of, you know, like it's like and it's sleazy, but it's sort of like a great campy sleazy, you know, kind of like. Whatever you load up, you party, kind of a thing. And the Nickelback song, he just sounds okay. Wait, I'm gonna tie it all back. You started talking about uh, Body Shop, which is yeah. a famous uh, peeling joint yes. in L.A. Then I went to Girls, Girls, Girls. Then I went to Nickelback, and that guy being a douche, I'm gonna bring it all back together. I can't even. I let me just say this: Nickelback is such a boring band to me. I can't even really picture what those guys look like. Like in my head, I don't really know. I don't I'm, know what the front guy looks like. He has like, like creepy mustache thing and beard. See, I don't even know. But you know what? When I hear that Nickelback guy singing, uh, I don't even know where the song went. But when I uh, when I I'll find it here. But when I hear that Nickelback song, do you know what I picture in my head? You know what he looks like? Let me just play. A li- I won't play this whole thing, but let me play a little bit of this here. So it's just a bit of this. This is uh, the new Nickelback track. Currently number three in the iTunes download chart. Paging Trey Parker. I swear to God, we're still here. We haven't abandoned you. We are. We're suffering through this together. Good Lord. It'll all be worth it because I'm going to make a brilliant observation at the end. White wheat, summer goat, English muffin bagel. Get to the hook. First of all, this sounds like the soundtrack to a date rape. It is so creepy. I was just thinking about some jackass guy singing it to his girlfriend trying to be like demean her. Yeah. Um, so, but when I hear that guy sing, you know who I picture in like maybe a younger way? I picture that Andrew Carver guy from Showgirls. You know, the, the sort of Michael Bolton dude? He looks like him. I don't even really he know. He totally looks like him. He, he does have that longish kind of hair yeah. and, the, and the creepy face. And Andrew Carver, who is, of course, the sort of, again, he's kind of a Michael Bolton type singer in Showgirls that at the end rapes that girl. That and then Elizabeth Berkeley. Brutal. Yeah, Elizabeth Berkeley, like, beats the ass out of him. Um, so that's who I picture when I hear the Nickelback guy. I picture that guy going, so you can't even thread a needle, huh? You know, that or whatever, that mm. creepy ass guy. 
Why were we talking about that song? Oh, you're the... going to bring it all together. Oh, yeah, no, they will showgirls, blah, blah, blah. Because, uh, you know, showgirls stripping. The, the body shop, though, so I've never really, uh, you know, I'm not much of a strip club guy. Uh, you know, I, I, when I was like 18, I went to, I went for, to strip clubs a few times just because, you know, because I was a man. I could do it. <laughs> and then I just kind of stopped going because what's the point? Because then it just makes just made me feel like a just made me uh, made me feel like it was a whole another group of girls that was never going to date me. So that being said, I, this might sound a little weird, uh, maybe not. I've always kind of wanted to go though to a strip club, like a like a high end strip club in 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 a kind of glitzy city, like in Hollywood uh, or in New York, only because sort of deja vu in North Hollywood where I worked for a day. I didn't know it was a deja vu. I knew you worked at a strip club as a DJ uh, for a day. I didn't know it was a deja vu. See, because the Deja Vu, the Deja Vu was the first strip club I ever went to. Not that one. It was the one in Spokane. Um, but I, that was the first strip club I ever went to. And I've said this a billion times. It's because it's, it's the one that Zeppelin used to go to. And I was like, good enough for Zeppelin, good enough for me. Um, and it was like hundreds of beautiful girls, three ugly ones. No ugly ones at this one. See, that's the thing. It's like I've been to strip clubs in you know different different you know states or whatever, but I've never been to a strip club in a really glamorous city, you know, like a Scores or whatever. And I really do wonder... I really do wonder, like, what what those girls look like. Because oh, you always hear that. See, you always hear that. With one of them. Yeah, you hear that they're perfect, and I've always kind of wondered oh, about yeah, that. Oh yeah, they are perfect. All right, Tim says with a knowing smile. All right, uh, let's see. Well, let's take a break. Come back after this. More from Tim Riley later on. We'll talk to the guys from the Found Footage Film Festival. Later on, transvestite trivia. Uh, let's see. Another one of the greatest songs ever made. Dennis Pitsenbarger and more. Stay there. Tim Riley returns around the corner. Don't go anywhere. Finest bumper music. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. You know, we never did that thing of like we we stopped doing that thing of labeling our uh, our bumps. I know we need to do that. Labeling our bumps. <laughs> Sarah, come over here and label my bumps. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> Sarah, come over here and bump my labels. Uh, it's uh, 503-733-2970. I was trying to see which way it sounded worse. No, they both. 503-733-2970. Uh, more from Tim Riley in a moment. Short while we'll talk to uh, the folks from the Found Footage Film Festival, a study in alliteration, and also film. Uh, let's see. Later on, Dennis Pitsenbarger from Miles Around, another installment of the greatest songs ever made. Somebody on the warm line was there and just hung up. So, yeah, adding a thousand today. Maybe we have more Hitler news. Uh, by the way, real quickly, we have this. This is just to uh, horrify, you know, everyone and Tim. This is from uh, Pittsburgh, blah, blah, blah. State police in Greensburg have questioned a 29-year-old Westmoreland County man about taking videos of other men in public restrooms and then putting them on the computer since September. Where do you suppose he was uh, making these bathroom films? Starbucks. Walmart. Mm. There you go. Trooper Gene Martin said the man was apprehended during the weekend at a Walmart in Unity where a man was filmed in the restroom. We received a report of an unusual incident. A man was in the bathroom stall, looked up and observed someone, yes... Holding a recording device over the stall wall. So there you go. 
Apparently, by the way, this had been going on for some time. Couldn't well, get enough. I noticed that someone was hanging a video camera over your stall wall. Well, and look, I know that the home of... I don't think my powers of observation are like that crazy, but I think I'd notice something like that. Your peripheral vision would catch that. And I'm just saying, I know that the home of value and all, but of all the places to film people, Walmart bathroom. Ugh. I mean, that's, you know, it's like you said to Richie. It's like you said, the, you know, the, when you wear Crocs. Who can't wait till they get home while they're shopping at Walmart? <laughs> that's my thing. You know, I used to have, can I tell you this? Uh, I, this is actual literal bathroom talk. I used to have a coworker who the entire time, he, he and I worked at a radio station together in a, another market. The entire time he and I worked together, which is a couple years, he never, ever, ever, ever once used the bathroom at work. And, and I'm talking about the, uh, the the sit-down, the number two. Ever. Not once. Never. Like, he would actually leave, if he had to, if he had to go the, uh, you know, the, the, the second, uh, he would actually leave work, go home. He'd get in his car, go home, drive all the way home, use the bathroom there, come back. He had some whole thing. Couldn't do the uh, the number two at work, ever. Just like a whole thing he had. So, good talk. The, the, I'm mean, just saying the the men's room here, the one with the two stalls. You can tell they were built for the 60s and 70s, and people are thinner because your average board op could not squeeze in there. If oh you no, wanted to. our stalls are so tiny too. Yeah. You can barely get into the second one. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's all kinds of uh, it's all kinds of weird. All right. Uh, why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We'll resume the news with Tim Riley in just one moment. Uh, ladies and germs. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. This is Joe Pickett, I believe. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Found Footage Film Festival, Joe Pickett. Hello, sir. Hey, dudes. How, How are you, you my friend? How's life? Good, good, good. All right, Thanks so, for having me on. Not at all. Now, a little bit of a, a backstory on this. So we talked to you guys uh, last year, and this yep. is uh, what they used to call, this is what Don Simpson used to call high concept, which is, the description is in the title. It is found film footage, meaning... This is stuff that what you find like in a, in a drawer, in a dumpster, on a back shelf somewhere. This is all exactly. Where do you find this stuff that you show? We 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 actually find it at thrift stores and garage sales. I mean, that's kind of our unwritten rule that we have to physically find the VHS tapes ourselves. Right, right. It's so easy to find stupid videos online and that kind of thing, but you know, it's not the same watching a video on your computer. It's, it's meant to be watched with a group. You know, these, like like we have a we have a train video montage in here that normally you watch by yourself in a train or in a break room, you know. But like when you watch it with a, a room full of people, it's just something magical happens. So I'm so. looking at some of the stuff. By the way, it's going to be uh, the Laurelhurst Theater. Everybody knows what Laurelhurst is in Burnside. Laurelhurst Theater, Friday. <coughs> pardon me. Friday, December fifth. Saturday, December sixth. Uh, and each night there's two shows, seven to nine p.m. Uh, yep. Tickets eight bucks. So among the clips featured in this show, I'm going to read this here. This is some of the highlights you've noted. A, uh, you've taken 17 different workplace sexual harassment videos and edited them down to just three minutes of the best reenactments. Yes. Oh, we're very proud of this collection here. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. We've we, got... Uh, you know, everybody has to watch those things before they start a job. Totally. Know, it's kind of required doing now, and there's so many out there, and we got our hand. I mean, this is probably like a two-week project just for this three-minute montage alone. Well, you got uh, it's worth it. Uh, a brand-new collection of exercise videos featuring Playgirls 1985 Man of the Year, and then one... And then I don't get this one. You got footage of a scantily clad Angela Lansbury. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we have an exercise video montage. Every single show we've done, we've always had an exercise video montage because in the '90s, celebrities were crapping out exercise videos at a furious pace. And uh, Angela Lansbury, yeah, she put out one too. It's kind of a new agey kind of uh, 
exercise video that feels like she's making it up as she goes along. And, and she also shows way too much skin. So uh, it's a sexy show. It's a really sexy show. You have sexual harassment. Yeah. Uh, it's coming up Friday, December 5th, Saturday, December 6th. Uh, two shows, both nights. Tickets, $8. Uh, where do they, they get them at the door, probably. But yeah, they get them at the door. I, I think they're doing advanced sales now, too. Uh, so you, where do you, you, at, at the Laurelhurst, or they go to your website? Where do they buy advanced tickets? Uh, no, go to the Laurelhurst. Uh, right. You can just walk up and get them that way. Uh, that is laurelhursttheater.com. And you guys are doing way. some like comedy bits as well like during the show, aren't you? Yeah, we always kind of insert ourselves into the videos, too. Yeah, so we kind of take have our takes on them. All right, excellent. We, we've watched them so many times, you know. We get to have fun with this. Well, it was, very co- it was cool last year. I saw it last year and loved it, and I'll be there again this year. The Found uh, Footage Film Festival, uh, the Laurelhurst, Friday and Saturday. Joe Pickett, best of uh, continued success here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, there you go. Everybody really ought to check that out. It is, uh, it is hilarious. It is a study in hilarity. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Because the public demands it, Fleetwood Mac is going on tour. Thank God. What kind of music is that, anyway? It is it's soft rock. rock. It is soft rock, Tim. It's soft rock? It would be like soft folk rock. No, I mean, it's, it rocks, sort of, but again, really, I, it sounds dumb. It rocks, but softly. But I mean, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't say it's folk. Folk to me indicates acoustic. Mm-hmm. To me, folk is but acoustic. soft rock to me reminds me of, like, Michael Bolton. Well, let me say this. I say this as a Fleetwood Mac fan. I really am. I, I do I do like Fleetwood Mac. I won't say that I love Fleetwood Mac. Some of us in this room, I think, loathe Fleetwood Mac, uh, especially Rhiannon. But, uh, <laughs> but I like Fleetwood Mac. I really do. Uh, and not just because of the White Hot Stevie Nicks. But, I mean, Lindsey Buckingham, great guitar player, great songwriter. Um, although I don't think it's all the members now. I think, like, I mean, I know they've had, like, a thousand people in the group. But I think, like... I think Christy McVie or somebody yes, leave? Gone. Yeah, leave. so it's not even really... Maybe Cheryl Crow replacing her. Did they? they? There is speculation that Cheryl Crow might be the replacement. See, and that's the thing. It's like, that's the danger when you do the, the, the comeback tour. And we're going to do top five comebacks. Uh, comeback, I'm sorry. You do the comeback tour, that works. But then it's like, then you start parting people out. And then it's like, you know, then you have Vinnie Vincent replacing somebody or other. And it is no good. Um, I do like Fleetwood Mac, but they're soft rock. Because they're not folk. Because, again, I think folk is more of like a, that's like a Bob Dylan, that's an unplugged acoustic thing. Mm-hmm. But they're not hard rock. I mean, they're not jazz. They're not easy listening. But I would say they are rock that has then been sort of turned down quite a bit. That would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Writers of some really great pop songs, though. I mean, and not, not just the obvious stuff. You know, when they came back with that, the, that album, The Dance, or whatever it was called, The Chain, whatever the hell that album was, like 10 years ago when they came back. And it had that live version of Silver Springs, which is like one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. I mean, that's just an amazing song. You know that song, Silver Springs. You could be my Silver Springs, my blue-green uh, puddle splashing. I don't think I do. Color splashing. Um, oh, man, it's a, it's a beautiful song. Oh, dude. Okay, I'm going to have to look it up. No, but here, but, you, but before you listen to it, you gotta like, i got to give you the, the background on it. Okay. Oh, that's an amazing song. Um, yeah, that's a fantastic song. They're not going to be on the West Coast. They're not? No. Oh, well, thanks. At all. Thank you for letting me talk about it. It's a beautiful song. You won't be able to see them. Ever. That's like the Britney Spears, blah, 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 Tacoma. Oh, hey, but you know what I found out from Dave's in upstairs? Uh, He's Britney, going. He's going to the show, I think. Yeah. But she's also going to be in Vegas on a Saturday at the MGM Grand. So, you know, I might almost go. Because I'm not going to take, like, I'm not going to take a whole Saturday and Sunday to, like, go to Tacoma and stay the night in Tacoma. We stayed in a nice place that time we went up there. Maybe. I don't even know where anything is relative to anything else. I don't even know where Renton is relative to Tacoma. I don't either. And, like, Bellevue and, like, like. Um, wherever all the other um, Ballard and that stuff. It's, it's all kind of squished I, together. See, that's my thing is I know they're all like kind of up there. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the medical hair restoration thing. Like they're in Bellevue. 
And so I always just say Seattle, but really, I just follow the GPS. I have no idea where anything is. Nothing, nothing at all. Speaking of which, your GPS is here. It is. Are you using it? They sent me the wrong card that goes inside oh, of it. Oh, that You've been waiting sucks. For I know, and I said all my addresses in it. sucks. So I put the card in motion, and it said, put the card in. Well, the card was already in. Oh, So I took dude. it out, I put it back in again. The card did not that, work. Now, is there a place you could physically return it, like here? No. I, oh. I had to call, and oh. I have a new card sent to me. That and how long do you have to wait for that? <laughs> that sucks. They said it's going to be here in three days. Are they giving you a discount? Are they reimbursing you? No. They ought to be giving you a discount for that. No. I, I would demand like $10 off or something, or free shipping, or they give you a free traveling bag or something. Maybe they will. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. I was all, I was was all excited too. to hear you, like, you know, you punched in the address and turn left. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's like this. What voice are you going to set yours to, Tim Riley? I don't know. You should pick one that you, I'll be happy if it works. I, uh, the, you guys should have Larry King. Larry King should be one of the voices, maybe. Well, that's like this, you know, I, I was, I was not going to complain about this, but I, I have a, uh, I have this piece of jewelry, you know, I wear, you know, because I'm still desperately cling to the illusion that I'm Robert Plant. I have, uh, you know, I wear like, like rings and, and I have, a, yeah, I have a couple of bracelets that I wear. And yeah, I'm not wearing them right now because one of them was, it's like this, um, it's not chain mail, but it's like, you know, but it's, it's a silver bracelet, but it has some like, it has some like, uh, some metal threads that are woven together. Mm-hmm. And I love it, but one of the metal threads started to tear loose, and it was like constantly catching my clothing and ripping holes in it. Oh. So I finally took it to this, uh, I took it to this jeweler. To get it fixed, to get it repaired. And they're like, that's great. That'll be done Monday. And that'll be, you know, pay in advance, please. And they make you pay in advance. I'm like, oh, that's fine. Going to be done Monday. Didn't go Monday. Didn't go Tuesday. It was running behind. Yesterday. Finally went last night, Wednesday. Uh, and I run the gauntlet of idiots at the key. Your Can bra- I ask you a question, sir? Your bracelet? Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that it was missing. I was wondering. Yeah, well, I'm not, because I have two, and I just don't want to wear one. So I took them both off. And one's at home, and one was being fixed. Going to be done Monday, right? Yesterday was Wednesday. I go in to pick it up. I'm like, hey, I'm here to pick up that thing that was going to be done Monday. They go, ooh, looks like it's still off at the repair facility. It's not back yet. And so I just, I'm, and I got, it was, she was really apologetic, and I, I sort of left before I said something cross. But I think I am going to demand a discount when I go to pick it up. Because they claim, they swear it's going to be back tonight. And I'm going to be asking for some money back on that. I mean, because I could have taken it. That's the thing is you could have taken it somewhere else by now. Mm -hmm. I could have learned how to weld and fixed it myself by now. So, well, I'm sorry. There's nothing worse than when you are excited, 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 excited. You order a project, it arrives. And then, and usually it's not that it flat out doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's that there's like some small thing you got to send it back for. Like, uh, I remember I ordered... um, the hell was it? It might have been like an earlier MP3 player before the sort of iPod generation came out. I think I ordered an MP3 player from like some company online. So excited, you know, oh, I can't wait for my MP3 back when they were really cutting edge. Mm-hmm. It arrived like, oh, my MP3 player, that's so great. And I take it out and everything was fine, except there was a big scratch across the screen. Oh, no, that's horrible. And that sucks because you almost go like, I should just, maybe I'll just live with it. I mean, I wanted this thing for like three weeks, you know, but then you just realize, no, I got to send it back. So, and then when you finally get it later, it's like you can't even really get excited. I'm like, oh, here it is, stupid thing. Here's Tim Riley. That's what I'm saying. Here's Tim Riley. Time for Hick Watch. Here's your Hick Watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. Copenhagen makes me feel so good. Copenhagen, way I know it should. Why, my mouth goes spitting, slobbering all around the house. Copenhagen makes me feel so good. So this is in two parts. The first comes from Springfield, Ohio. A woman's in critical condition after police say her husband shot her while they were having sex. 
Timothy Havens told Springfield police he was reaching for something in the nightstand when the pistol went off, hitting his estranged wife, Carol, in the upper chest. The thing about this is, she had a restraining order out on him. Really? So I guess it was for everything except for sex. <laughs> restraining order, except for humping. That was like Clause B or mm-hmm. something. Um, so, KCMD Portland. So, they're having... She has a restraining order against him, or yeah. had? Yeah, at the time. And yet they're having sex. Mm-hmm. For everything uh, except for that. That adds a whole... I didn't know. That adds a whole other layer of weird to the whole, like, uh-huh. I accidentally shot her during sex business. Mm-hmm. Um... First of all, and I think I speak for a lot of people, when I hear this accidentally shot her during sex, I'm thinking of... Uh, you think it was like some kinky thing? Well, I'm thinking of, yeah, you didn't watch uh, this round of it. Janice Soprano and Ralph Pantoliano, uh, they played a couple uh, who uh, engaged in a lot of very um, envelope-pushing sexual behavior. And uh, one of the... This is on The Sopranos. One of the uh, things that they uh, like to do, as depicted very unnervingly in the scene, was that uh, he would be um, engaging with her in the sexual act uh, with a loaded gun pointed to her head because uh, she was crazy. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. So that's the first thing I thought of. Also, but there's two other things about this story. One, who just keeps a loaded gun on the nightstand? Like, next to some other stuff, you know, that you might just be reaching for blindly in the dark. Also, am I the only other one here? Am I the only one in the room who wonders about this phrase? He shot her during sex because he was, quote, reaching for something on the nightstand. And then you don't want to wonder what he was reaching for, but then you do something wonder. Something that could be, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, what were you reaching for on the nightstand? Breath mint. <laughs> sure. It's like, have you ever seen the movie Mitchell with, uh, with uh, Joe Don Baker? No. It's always made fun of a mystery science theater. Well, never mind. There's this this horrifying thing in the movie Mitchell, which, again, is like, it's supposed to be like a straight-ahead detective movie. Like, it's not a comedy. It was kind of like their answer. It was this sort of answer to Dirty Harry. It was this very, very B-grade. It was a B-movie version of Dirty Harry with Linda Evans, of all people. So Joe Don Baker, though, plays this Mitchell guy who's kind of this Hoyt Axton-looking bastard. And he's a detective who blah, 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 and blah, 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 and Linda Evans. But, of course, the ladies love him, even though he's pudgy and bald. And, um... So at one point, though, like Linda Evans and Joe Don Baker, who is Mitchell, are in bed, and they don't ever reference this, and you really, really have to strain to see it. I think it took the Mystery Science Theater guys to point it out. But, like, in Mitchell's bedroom, there's the bedside table with, like, the lamp and the alarm clock, but tucked away tucked away behind the lamp, like in the dimly lit shadows of the room, big bottle of baby oil. Oh. You don't even really notice it until they go, Joel, what's that on the bedside table? Oh, God, it's baby oil. So I'm wondering what this guy was reaching for mm-hmm. that, like, oh, I guess it's a gun. And a gun doesn't typically accidentally go off. Can we all admit that, too? Mm-hmm. You have to reach it. First of all, if you don't recognize a gun by feel when you pick it up, there's something wrong with your brain. Also, you got to put your finger on the trigger and then pull the trigger. The, the gun accidentally goes off. That doesn't happen. So where does it say where she was shot? Like on what part of her body? Uh, upper, upper chest. Upper okay. chest. Yeah. I'm thinking there's more to the story than we've been told. Mm-hmm. All right. Is that the extent of the Hick Watch? No, there's another point. There always is. Gun, say, uh, gun sellers say the election of Barack Obama is helping them avoid the recession. Sales of guns are now booming, up an estimated 20%. Sales of guns are booming? Oh, 50% in the suburbs, even. Of course. Uh, let's see. Uh, Channel 2 in Chicago reports the gun lobby spent... A big trying to defeat Obama this year, outraged by his promises to reinstate a ban on military-style assault weapons. Every home should have one. <laughs> really? No, you need those for hunting, Tim. On uh, talk radio, he was announced as a gun grabber. Now as Obama heads to the White House, millions are rushing to reload. 
I wonder if this is true or not. I, I, think, I feel like I'm reading a made-up story. I think it might be true, at least for a certain part uh, of this oh, country. Yeah, that, for certain, that is true. Mm-hmm. I mean, look. People I'll, with certain accents. No, and, and, well, and skin it, tone. And, I was going to say, and also in Utah. Um, the, I, because, can we be honest? Look, I'm not anti-gun. No one on this show is anti-gun. Uh, Tim Riley has fired uh, all kinds of weapons on the air, actually, years ago. And there are times during the day that I think of shooting various people. That's why I don't own a gun, Tim, because I'd be killing people all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I could never own a gun. But you fired an AK-47. It's on your MySpace page. Oh, yes. I mean, I've fired many guns, but I could never own one. I would never want to, to have one. And I just don't trust myself with a gun. You know what it is? You know what they say? Oh, you only need to snap once. Uh, anyway, um, it, well, no, but and I can't speak for Tim, but Sarah and I know don't own guns uh, because I, I don't own one either. Well, see, I didn't know. I didn't, you know, it's, that's it's every citizen's private business, Tim. But I think I feel about guns the way that some people say they feel about God. That whole, you know, the 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 the, the respect and healthy fear of. You know, like the, the Catholics are big on that. You know, the love God, but fear Him because of His power. And that's my thing about guns. Again, you know, one of our sponsors... That's, that's totally a good way to put it. That's how I feel. Yeah, and one of our sponsors for a long time was Fairly Honest Don's Machine Gun Parlor. Uh, you know, there's video on my side of me firing a belt-fed M60, which is badass. So I'm not anti-gun in any way uh, at all. But, I mean, but let's be honest when we say that there's lots of people in this country who, uh, like, guns are the deciding issue to them. You know we were saying the other day? Was it yesterday we played the songs that make you make being a junkie sound cool? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about... There's guys, there's guys who get high every now and again. There's people who just smoke a little bit of weed, you know, because, you know, whatever, to relax, medicinal purpose, whatever. But then there's those people where it's like weed is their whole life, and they sit there and they write songs about it, and they draw weed pictures and poetry, and they got, like, a, a thing, like, hanging in there. And they got, they're always wanting to talk to you about, you know, there's 100,000 uses for hemp. And meanwhile, they just smell like dirt and just ass. So there's people who, like, get high now and again, and there's people who are, like, weed people. There's people who have guns, and people who sometimes shoot guns, and then there's gun people. And gun people are crazy. I'm not, I mean, they're just, that's, there's just no, they're crazy, they're dumb. They're dumb, they're crazy, and they a lot of times have money to spend on guns. I'm not saying owning a gun makes you crazy, but there are people who treat guns like this almost fetishized object. Like, it is almost a sexual thing with some people. And you'll go into the. Have you ever? Have you ever guys? Have you guys ever gone to a gun store? Mm-mm. Yes. Yeah. See, if you go to a gun store, there's the whole range of people. There's people getting a gun for self-defense. People getting a gun because they are uh, sport shooters, or they are hunters, or they occasionally just like to go shoot a gun. One of our proud sponsors, a place to shoot. And I, um, you know, and I've got that. That and other places like like in Las Vegas, I did that thing of firing a fully like a, a Tommy's a Thompson submachine gun in Vegas. Badass. But there's the tiny minority of folks that you will always hear at a place like that, and they really are talking about the gun like they're talking about like the girl who's the new spread in Playboy. And those are the people who are, like, you know, the guy sleeps with one under his pillow, and he prays every night that he hears a sound out front so he can go shoot something. And by something, I mean somebody. And those are the same people who are like, Obama's going to come and take my guns away. And, and, and they, they're easy to market to. There's nothing you can, I mean, nothing makes it easier to sell something in fear, you know? Obama's going to come take your guns. Better buy them now. And they do, which is why you have these stories. All right. Is that the end of the Hick Watch? That is the end of the Hick Watch, yeah. Let's take a break. Back after this. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, we got uh, another installment of the greatest songs ever made. We'll try to get to that uh, top five. Transvestite trivia, Dennis Pitsenbarger, more from Tim Riley, etc. Back after this. 
the Rick Emerson Radio. Don't look at me. Uh, it's the Rick Emerson Radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up. We'll do uh, transvestite trivia here in a few. Your chance to win tickets to Richie Bristol's drag show, December 13th, North Bank. Rich Crystal, Lips Cabaret, and Pleasure Vessel, which is a band there. Best band name ever. It really is. Uh, we'll do another installment of The Greatest Songs Ever Made. Uh, we'll have Tim Riley with more news, and we'll have uh, a few minutes with uh, Dennis Pitzenberger uh, later on as well. It's 503-733-2970. I got a great email to read as well, but we'll do this uh, these uh, phone calls first, then the call to action, then the email. Hello. Hi. Speak. Hey, uh, I was just wondering, you know how you're talking about the Zoom? Yeah. Well, uh, it's pretty cool. Like, you remember Napster when you could just download hundreds of songs a night? Yes. Well, you can do that on the Zune. It has the FM radio, and if you like the song, you can just click it and uh, download it. Um, yeah, so it, 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 I understand that the Zune, that's the thing about the iPod that is weird to me. The iPod, to the best of my knowledge, still doesn't have a radio, which is weird. Yeah. I mean, there is still a place for radio in this world of ours. Um, I will say this, and this is not a paid plug or an endorsement. I have the Creative uh, Zen Vision M. Not only does it have a radio, but it actually can record the radio as well. So if you're like, uh, you know, so if you're like, uh, whatever, you're biking along, driving along, whatever, you're listening to this show or whatever else, and you're like, hey, I got to, you know, I got to tape something. You can actually hit record, and it'll record the radio, and then save it as an MP3 on the player, which is handy. So. Yeah, and as far as I knew, like with the Apple, you couldn't, you know, just get a pass to download as much music as you wanted. Yeah, the iPod just has some flaws in it that, to me, make it a deal breaker. Uh, they, I mean, again, it's a great product in many ways. It really is. But there's a couple, and I've had some back and forth emails with sort of tech people who've tried to convince me. And there's some deal breakers with the iPod that I, things I just can't get past. But you know, uh, but but I will say the folks I know who have an iPod are very happy with it. So there you go. But you you're happy with the Zoom. Oh, yeah, I love it. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Uh, thank you. Oh, all right. Sorry. No, I was thinking about getting an MP3 player soon because I don't have one. And I don't know. I don't really want an iPod, but if I just want to listen to music, is that probably the best thing? Well, I don't know. See, I almost hesitate to respond on the air because that's going to be a whole segment. Because I'm going to say my thing. I'm going to give my response. And then, but and I had a creative before and it crapped out. But we are just. Well, but it's old. Everything it's like craps out over time. Yeah. I mean, everything falls apart. Um. But the thing is, I'm going to give my response, and then the phones are going to fill up with people. It's going to be like the absinthe thing. Everybody's saying that, that I'm wrong. Um, so, well, let, let me write it down. Sarah and iPod. And we don't call or email about it now. Or maybe on another show. So I keep saying we're going to do that gadget mm-hmm. segment at some point. So Sarah and iPod. So don't call about that now, please. Um, <clears throat> what you can call about now, this does not include the person I'm about to speak with. We'll take caller number 5, 503-733-2970. 503 503- 
733-2970 right now to play Transvestite Trivia uh, for your shot at a pair of tickets to see Richie Bristol as Rochelle Crystal uh, in the drag show with the Lips Cabaret featuring Pleasure Vessel that is coming up December 13th at North Bank. Tickets available at uh, Taboo Video. Proceeds to benefit Martha's Pantry and the Metropolitan Community Church. Uh, in the meantime, who's this? This is Stuart. What's up? Oh, just, you know, I keep hearing about this big bailout, the bailout of the big three. Yeah. But all the questions people asking, where are they doing with the money? Yeah. Where's all the money going to go? Yes. Shouldn't the real question be, where the hell is this money going to come from? Oh, well, I think we know the answer to that. That's uh, just look in your back pocket, sir. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, uh, we're, we're already in massive debt. Where yeah. are we getting $25 billion? Now from Stuart Q. Sucker is, uh, is where that's coming. Well, that just sucks now, doesn't it? Yeah, same place that the you know, $3 trillion to pay for the Iraq war came from. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I'm with you on that, sir. Uh, Thank you. All right. Yeah, I mean, sadly, the answer is the same as it always is, coming from you, mm-hmm. because they're the government and Nothing you're not. Changes. Nope. Uh, as uh, as um, as Sergeant Giadello said on uh, an episode of Homicide, he said, "Nothing ever gets better. Nothing ever changes." It's like I was excited, as excited as the next person to when Obama won, but. That's in no way fooling me to think there's going to be anything oh, no. different. No, 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 no. Obama, who, God love him, uh, you know, has appointed a secretary of state, uh, the person that he kept saying throughout the campaign was, <laughs> you know, shouldn't be allowed anywhere near government. And, by the way, who cannot even, I'm not trying to start a whole thing, Barack Obama, who cannot even bring himself to utter the phrase, gay marriage is okay. That's very frustrating that's, for me. I mean, really. During the debates, that's when he kind of lost me. Like, when I, I was really stoked on him, and I'm just like, really? You know what? Uh, you know, the folks who were going to vote against Barack Obama, they were already going to vote against him. And the people who were going to vote against John McCain were already going to vote against John McCain. My wife wouldn't have voted for John McCain if you would put a gun to my head. Um, so uh, it doesn't matter. You, you couldn't have made my wife with a, with, a, with, a, with a branding iron. You couldn't have made my wife vote for John McCain. But somebody got in Obama's ear and they said, no, 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 if you talk about gay marriage, you'll lose voters. Not true, but, you know, whatever. So could not even man up to the point that he could say, gays want to get married, fine by me. We've got real problems to deal with. So anyway. And the best part about that, nothing gets better, nothing ever changes. Nothing gets better, nothing ever changes. The Giardello says it with a smile because he knows it's true. All right, we're going to take caller five, Richie. Do we have, is one of these folks caller five? I'm just uh, just put it on the screen if one of these is uh, the thing, deal, and so forth. Hi, Sarah. How you doing? <laughs> doing well. Heard any good jokes lately? Um, no. You haven't, have you? No, I haven't. Have you? No. Wait. No. Oh. I don't think Richie's in his room. Where would he be? Richie, are you in your room? Okay, so I don't even know what these callers are. Is one of these callers caller five? I'm sorry, everybody, that you have to sit and listen to this uh, machination behind the scenes. All right. Well, you know what, Sat? Okay. Jesus Christ. Just so, one. Uh, we're going to say, I, I apologize. We're going to have to pick randomly here and assume. Hi. You know, even if you weren't, you're caller five, magically. <laughs> Whoa. All right. How are you, sir? Outstanding. How are you doing? I am fantastic, my friend. Everything is uh, everything is peachy and A-okay. Uh Let's see. Let me just get the... Uh, are you ready to play transvestite trivia, my friend? Yes. All right. By the way, if you're on hold, don't go anywhere, because if uh, this guy blows it, then it might be your chance. All right. I guarantee I will. All right. This is for a pair of tickets to see Richie Crystal... At, uh, Richie Crystal. Richie Bristol as Rochelle Crystal. All right. In drag, uh, December 13th at North Bank. All right. I, I got a quick question about that. Yes, Has sir. Has he mastered anything besides the hello? 
No. no. Well, he oh. says he has, but I think maybe he's... And every time we ask for a sample, he does this, hello. So he might be sandbagging. You know what I mean? It might be like a rope-a-dope, where at the end, it turns out that he's really, like, mastered all of Stars and Stripes forever, but he just wanted to, like, you know, sucker us in. I don't know. All right, sir, please answer this question. All the right. American comedy, The Birdcage, starring Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. The American comedy, The Birdcage, starring Robin Williams and Nathan Lane was originally a foreign film of what title? What is the original foreign title of the cross-dressing comedy, The Birdcage? I ask this with good conscience because it is fairly mainstream. If you don't know it, you don't know it, but it is, it's a thing I think people have a better than even chance of knowing. One flew over the cuckoo's nest? I don't know. Bird. Point, agent. Points for style. Sorry about that, my friend. Thank you. All right, better luck next time. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You ready to play cross-dressing trivia? Yes, Rick, I am. Transvestite trivia. The question is, the Robin Williams-Nathan Lane comedy, The Birdcage, is based on a foreign film of what title? Uh, Two Fruits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Sir, that is offensive. You know, here's the thing. I should be offended. But God help me, that's funny. All right. I shouldn't have laughed at that. Bad, bad caller. Learn to ever. Be, thanks. Be more, be more tolerant. We'll give it one more try. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. You ready to play transvestite trivia? Yes, I am, but I just heard the question, and I already know I don't know the answer. Well, I'm going to ask it again just to amuse <laughs> myself. The Robin Williams-Nathan Lane cross-dressing comedy, The Birdcage, is based on the foreign film of what title? I know it's a French movie, and I do know it. I've seen it before, but I can't. Well, then make up something French-sounding. Maybe it'll be close. Bluff. Lay bird cage. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe everything is just funny to me for some reason. No. Sorry about that, sir. The answer is La Caja Fall. That's French for bird cage, right? You, you can't say... No. Bye. You can't I would say never, Le Bird Cage. I would have never guessed that. I've never heard right. of that. You've never heard of La Caja Fall? Uh-uh. I mean, it's like, I'm not going to say... I've never seen La Caja Fall. But I remember when the bird when the birdcage came out, it was like you know, I love the birdcage though. Yeah. yeah, they're based on the hit movie La Caja Fall. So yeah, the birdcage is a great movie. <coughs> Not two fruits or Le Birdcage. Have we succeeded? Like you were worried that all of our transvestite questions were too easy. We need to have given away one. We've not given away a single pair. Well, should we pick up one of these people and do one of the easy questions? That's not my call. That's Richie's call. Okay. Right, we got we got time. We got two weeks. All right. Well, in any event. <laughs> What should we do to kill some time? I'm going to do it. It's time for another installment of the greatest songs ever made, Sarah. <laughs> Pardon me. Do you have something you can play for like 10 seconds while I get some water? Uh-huh. We built this Starbucks. We built this Starbucks on high and so built this Starbucks. You built this Starbucks on high. This makes the song sound even better. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And uh, so please. I'm Rick Emerson, and these are the greatest songs ever made. The category in my head labeled Songs I Wish I'd Written is filled to brimming with tunes of all varieties. Sweet pop confections, mournful country ballads, and metal tracks of crushing intensity. Nothing inspires more awe and respectful jealousy, however, than the power and force of a well-constructed anthem. Such a song is the focus of today's discussion. One can be forgiven for dismissing Shooter Jennings, truly an unfortunate name, as the mere winner of a genetic lottery, a country rock version of Jacob Dylan. 
Being the son of Waylon Jennings certainly does has its advantages. On the other hand, the stakes are raised for anybody of famous lineage. If you don't produce good work eventually, you're going to be dismissed as a hack who just piggybacked on somebody else's lifetime of work. So, when I listened to Shooter Jennings' debut record, I had no expectations. I mean, would this be more like Hank Williams Jr.? Or would it be more like, well, Jacob Dylan? Thankfully, it is the former. Although the album is fragmented, there are moments of real power and grace, and nowhere is that more evident than on the song you're about to hear. From the opening power chords, augmented with sparkling tracer notes, you realize you're listening to something of exceptional clarity. You realize that Jennings, like Springsteen writing Born to Run, was up against a wall and had to produce something extraordinary. It's all there, from the lockstep rhythm section to the glittering guitar. The song just moves, taking you out of your seat and down a sun-drenched highway. And then you reach the chorus. At the 50-second mark, Shooter Jennings takes flight, leaving his father, his baggage, his famous name, every bit of loaded expectation far below him. The song is pure joy, distilled and isolated, and it's probably the best thing he'll ever write. He must know it. He must have felt it. How could you not? How could you sing these lines, create these moments, and not know you were in kind of a rarefied air? I hope he tops this song, but even if he doesn't, he's shown that he has the intangible stuff. And it's more than a name. It's more than a legacy. It is a kind of magic. And it lasts for three minutes and 37 seconds, during which I defy you to think of anything else. And that is a kind of magic that is irreplaceable. One of the greatest songs ever made. This is Shooter Jennings and Fourth of July on The Rick Emerson Show. Yeah. 
that we share. You were breaking me, sitting in the front seat, looking at me. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Tim, was it you that was showing us earlier that church that is rebranding one of their uh, yes. networks with a devil head? Uh-huh. You know, am I the only one that remembers this? Do you remember that comic that was Lil Hot Stuff and he was a devil? I don't, know. You don't remember Lil Hot Stuff? No. I think he was from Archie Comics. Little Hot Stuff. And I mean, it was like he was even a, sound familiar. He was like a little devil with a pitchfork. I'm Aaron. Aaron, as we speak, is Aaron probably is emailing. Here's the deal with. The, but it was like for the company that made. They made. I, I think it was Archie Comics. It was like the same company that made Little Lulu, you know, hmm. and Dot. I do not remember that. God, my dad had the worst taste in comic books. Jesus. Here, son, read some Little Lulu so you can be made fun of on the schoolyard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. <laughs> and now, pop there. from the Ministry up, of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The U.S. Department of Energy plans to issue a $385,000 fine to Bechtel, which is building a nuclear treatment plant at the Hanford Nuclear Reservation. Apparently, there are numerous opportunities to correct problems with the design and construction, which they are not doing. <laughs> uh, this is for failing to improve quality. That's great. The rest will cover problems relating to uh, piping used in black cells or areas that have so much radioactivity that workers cannot enter them during the 40 years that the plant may still operate. Bechtel says it takes safety and quality seriously. And job one, Tim. Of course, one can't be 100% perfect when dealing with nuclear waste. No. Hey, but, you know, speaking of companies who, you know, blah, 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 money, blah, blah, blah. You know, always in trouble with the government, yet they keep getting contracts. No matter what they get their hands in, they wreck it every time. And speaking of people just constantly getting things with the government, earlier we were answering that listener email about why do we pick on the auto industry and not on these other companies that have got their hands out. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking there was something I'd left off, a reason. And you just somehow reminded me of this. The other reason we pick on the auto industry is because the government won't tell us the companies who got the $700 billion. Mm-hmm. That's... That's a good point. That is true. I, and I, I, I meant to make that point earlier because I, I wanted to seem like I was taking the question seriously, which I was. I don't mean to unduly pick on the auto industry because I know that that screws a lot of people we know and the families of a lot of people we know. Right. The reason we pick on GM and Ford and Chrysler is because, hey, we know their names. It's GM and Ford and Chrysler. I defy anybody to produce a list of the companies getting that $700 billion deal. They, they won't tell us. The government won't tell us. The Federal Reserve won't tell us. So, you know, you've got to work with the information you have. So that's the other reason. Here's Tim Riley. President Bush and his first lady have bought an expensive home north of Dallas. They'll live there after the president leaves office in January. They may already be there, for all we know. Uh, the Bushes, however, will continue to spend some time at their ranch in Crawford clearing brush. <laughs> you, did you add that part? Well, I know that's going to happen. All right. I was just going to say, because that's one of those... Uh, 
like whether it was in the story or whether you added it, it's great either way. Because you know that's the deal. Here's a picture of George Bush like clearing some weeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, the president previously lived in Dallas from December 1988 through January 1995 before moving to the Texas governor's mansion in Austin. Even though he is an Eastern elitist by birth, Tim. He's from Connecticut. Yes, he Connecticut is. Connecticut cowboy. Connecticut and went to school at Yale. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see what we have here. Uh, let's do a Geek Watch. Here's your we? Geek Watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen Surgeon Limit, I remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but cause we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now, just listen, on the There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Energize. Sci-Fi Greenlight's Battlestar prequel, Capricia to Sherry. Twitchy Battlestar Galactica fans can rest a little easier. The Sci-Fi Channel has given the green light to Capricia. Like they say twitchy as though there's any other kind of Battlestar fan. Uh, buzzed about prequel to Battlestar according to Variety. The cable channel has already produced a two-hour movie slash backdoor pilot set to debut in December, but it will now launch a series in early 2010. Backdoor pilot? Yes, that's what it says here. All right. The film stars Eric Stoltz, Issei Morales, Paul Malkinson. Eric Stoltz? Yeah. Let's back up for a second. So Eric this is, Stoltz? I haven't thought about him in a long time. Seriously. And Issei Morales. So this is Caprica, which is the... So it's a prequel. So Caprica is the story, I would imagine, of, uh, you know, the... the uh, not Earth, but I mean... Uh, you know, it's set 50 years before right. the Cylon attack. Before the Cylon attack. It focuses on the two uh, rival families dealing with the implications of society's expansion of artificial intelligence. So it's like a Capulet's Montague's, but with, like, rivets. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Isai Morales, the guy from La Bamba? Yes, that's him. Isn't Isai Morales? No, that was, no, that's, that's Lou Demarco. Was he in what? Selena? Stand and Deliver? What is the Isai yeah. Morales? Yes, he was in Stand and Deliver. Deliver. I think he was in La Bamba, too, wasn't Apologize. he? Apologize, I'm confusing my Latin He was actors. Lou Diamond Phillips' brother. Oh, there you go, so I'm not a racist. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just running through, running through every movie from my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Isai Morales, who was in Stand and Deliver and La Bamba, Eric Stoltz. Well, God bless him. I mean, bless you. Uh, And bless Eric Stoltz. (laughs) I said bless you to Eric Stoltz just as Sarah sneezed. It was a whole thing. Uh, Well, I like Eric Stoltz. I'd like to see him getting work. That's interesting. Sci-Fi is hoping to lure a broader audience and even some non-Battlestar viewers. That's not going to happen. They think the Galactica backdrop uh, was space and uh, spaceships, but there was a barrier to entry to some viewers. This is code for... The show is fantastic. Uh, Battlestar just couldn't figure out how to market it, and nobody watched it. So Battlestar go. Galactica returns with its final ten episodes, January 16th, and a two-hour movie, Battlestar Galactica, The Plan, slated for next September. Excellent. Fantastic. There's your. Are oh. you excited about the series pickup? Can you hold on till 2010? Asked the, the article. Going to leave us with a cliffhanger question. Yes, yes. All right, there's your geek watch for... Uh, your geek watch for Thursday. And I got this I great email to read. By the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. This is the best email we've ever gotten. Maybe not. Um, this email comes to us from uh, TJ. TJ says, Rick, I was just at the station picking up my newly won nine-inch nails tickets about 45 minutes ago. I noticed a strong police presence around the area. I'm guessing it's because it was a radio station, so there was some kind of cocaine bust going on. I was curious to know what was happening. Also, where can I get one of those kick-ass posters of you that hangs behind the receptionist? I need one. Also, P.S., the receptionist was cute. What are the chances she'd be interested in a 20-something overweight bass-playing Star Wars nerd with an extra nine-inch nails ticket? Best show ever. Let's call upstairs and find out. All right. Well, I want to know, was it...
Who would it be? I'm trying to think. There's many... There many women? Look, I mean, many people. Even Dave Zinn has a certain uh, feminine beauty to him in the right light. CBS Portland, this is Lisa. Oh, I think the question's been answered. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Uh, <laughs> how hey, are you doing? Hi, Lisa. Do, uh, are you... Uh, please forgive the question. Do, uh, this is Rick Emerson. I'm downstairs uh, on AM 970. Do we know each other? Have we met? Uh, you know what? I don't think so, but I've sure heard your name a lot in good ways. <laughs> All right then. Okay, well, Lisa, thanks so much. We were just calling to see who was working the desk today. Thank you for uh, thanks for tolerating me. Oh, you're welcome. I've got. I'm just giving Katie a lunch break, so I've only right. been here for about an hour. Okay. okay. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Question answered. Just a moment. Wow. She needs to be promoted. speaking. <laughs> I wasn't going to go that way. I wasn't going to go that way at all. No, no, no. I was going to. I was going to. You know. You know, I was going to do that, uh, uh, let me get my wand and we'll fly away from Captain Hook. I thought it was a child. I really thought it was one of Susan's children. So you went like... I thought it was a, ch I thought it was a child. child. Went, oh. Tim went off his face. I went Peter Pan just now is what I did. I need to know what she looks like. We need to... During the break... Just picture Sandy Duncan, I think, with a headset. Wow. Well, I got things to do. I can't go upstairs. I'm busy. I'm... <laughs> we're, we're here. Well, she's going to be there for a while, I think. Yes. But, I mean, I guess she's been there for about an hour, so, I mean, it, 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 it might have been, did she say Katie? Giving Katie a break? Yeah. yeah. So maybe it was Katie. Maybe it's Katie's friend. You know, I, uh, as, soon as, as soon as the voice came over the phone, though, I thought, I figured I knew the answer to, like, who was working when he came in. I mean, doesn't that sound like the voice that goes with the story? Mm. And in a, I mean, in a good way. I'm just saying. No, she sounds like she'd be She good. sounds, she, you know what, she sounds vivacious and perky. delightful. And perky, Tim. Yes, that as well. All right. Are you going to prepare more news, Tim? I am, yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour all the way through Lycus. Let's break, come back on the other side. Dennis Pitsenbarger from Miles Around, Lycus at 3, uh, Mike O'Mara show at 7, and, uh, and more. Stay there, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. I don't know. Just a moment. Uh, okay, for the for the record, apparently we just Dave Zinn came down to clarify. When I pressed zero a few minutes ago and talked to a, a woman named Lisa, who we thought was a receptionist here, like filling in, I guess uh, there was nobody upstairs, and so it transferred me over to the building on Third Avenue, the Coin Tower. So that was that. We were just talking to Lisa, who I guess is a receptionist, but at a wholly separate building. For the record, this guy TJ who came in, he was talking about the cute girl who was uh, filling in the receptionist. That is a uh, Kristen Bowie. He was talking about. Uh, Kristen Bowie, who uh, you know works here in the afternoons, and then also uh, hosts Musicology Sunday seven to nine with Adam Thompson. All right, uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show. I don't uh, have anything here. Uh, from miles around, Saturday nine to eleven, Good Dennis Pitsenbarger. Hello, sir. Oh, how you doing? I'm fantastic. I got to get you a theme song. I, I used to have something way back in the day. Like I mean, it was like the 1080 days. Well, but it was well, you had the thing that said fuel, but then you changed the name of the show, and we you never we never got. Oh yeah, we did have the fuel thing. So yeah. here's what I want you to do: pick a TV theme song and uh, just like give it to me. So I'm gonna go with the uh, now defunct Knight Rider. By the way, is dead. No, 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 That yeah, well, that or the new one. The new one's a little bit cheesier. No, we'll do the classic. Okay, yeah. I like the classic, but uh, yeah, that's classic exactly why the classic was good and why the new the new show it's got right. a uh, fork in it because it is done. All right, we'll do that. How are you? I'm uh, well, man. Uh, you know, we uh, we're, we're lucky enough to uh, keep the show afloat. I, I like broadcasting. I mean, I just get it out of the way. You know, if you want to automotive entertainment, that's why I call it. It's nine to and soon will be nine to twelve on this very fine radio station on every Saturday. 
uh, TV shows on Comcast doing well. We're actually in two markets now. It's kind of cool. We're on a bunch of markets, but we're in Seattle and Portland now. So you can check that out Sundays, and there's some replays on Sportsnet, Comcast. and uh, let's, uh, So that's like the business side of things. But uh, on st- a per- Let's take a moment. Everyone breathe in. Oh, okay. Exhale slowly. All right. A uh, couple of things. A. Hey, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. Here. See, this will be your theme from now. Well done, sir. Um, so Miles Around airs 9 to 11 on Saturday, soon to be 9 to 12 Saturdays, right here on this very fine radio station. And then your TV show. Uh, and I can, man, I have no vested interest, so I can talk about all I want. Um, so Joni DeRoshi, of course, the director, Nate Baker, uh, cameraman extraordinaire on that. What's the team you have? Oh, uh, let me put it's it this fantastic. way. It's fantastic. Have you seen wow, his like show? that's a dream team. You're lucky. Have uh, you seen his TV no, show? No, when is your TV show? It's good. It's re- I mean, not, I'm not saying like, I, like I'm surprised, but I'm saying, you know, look, uh, let's be honest. A lot of people, you know, everybody takes a stab at TV, sometimes more than a few times. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's, it's uh, you know, not so good. Sometimes it's in between. I shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have expected anything else from uh, from Joni and Nate and you. But I mean, it's a really cool looking show. When is it? If uh, when when is it on? And where? Uh, it's on uh, nine o'clock Sunday morning. It's a little early, but usually there's a replay in the afternoon on Sunday afternoon, and you can catch it on demand on Comcast as well as there's replays throughout the week. And the way to describe that was is they just said, uh, you know, put your Outlook calendar on the wall, right. and throw a dart at it. Because I mean, they give me some replays, but I don't know when. So it's, and it's Comcast Sports. Comcast Sportsnet, which is their uh, the station that carries the Blazers and the Ducks right. and. and it's a cool station because it's kind of it fits what the show is. And you're is, on a, it's not just Portland, like you're on in a couple of different markets, right? I'm uh, everywhere from basically the Canadian border down to the Southern Oregon and the whole valley up and down Portland, Seattle, Bend, Redmond. How uh, many households? Uh, I know you know. I know 1.5 million uh, four times a week. Dennis, look at you. Look at that. Now if I you know, and the thing is now if anyone would like to donate money, I can give you my email address at the end because if the <laughs> credit cards are running out of money. No, I mean it's fun. I mean it's and I will tell you this. I and if you watch the end of the show. Um, I have said it many times. I am uh, a retarded hippopotamus that just stands in front of the camera. And that is the, and the quote from the show, uh, because the only way the show looks good is uh, Nate Baker, cameraman extraordinaire, and Joni, because I used to have another person. We'll just leave that alone. But when she first showed me the show and the way she looked at it, she was literally like almost, I think she was almost in tears. She's like, I'm embarrassed. And she didn't know what I expected from her. I can say, well, Joni... I, I can say this because Joni and I have known each other for a long time. You know, Joni and I have uh, worked together on many things. She, of course, helmed Bigger Than Jesus and several other things that I've done. And, you know, we all invite all of us here. You know, Sarah and Joni have done a lot of things together, modeling and so forth. Um, Joni's great, but Joni is, you know, in many ways a nutcase artist who is, you know, she's, and I say that with love. You know, she's, she's one of those really talented, really nutty artists who always thinks that the thing she's just done that is great is terrible. And she doesn't want to show it to you. She's like, I don't know. I think it kind of sucks. She always convince you to do things that you don't want to do. And she's like chain smoking. Going, I don't know. I mean, I think we, <laughs> we got, we, I mean, I got like a day and a half. We could just, I mean, I'm thinking about scratching it and starting all over again. Um, I'm thinking we could do some uh, pickups and some reshoots. Um, and then I'll just, um, I don't know how we're going to do the opening credits, but I mean, I guess I could just, um, I could have somebody else do those. And then um, we could put it back together from the from the ground because I don't think this is going to work. I mean, I know it, you're. Just, I, what do you think? You just watch it. And you go, I'm going to be smoking. And then you watch it and you go, well, this is genius. This is like the best thing I've ever seen. She goes, oh, don't lie. I mean, it's a mess. You're not even, there's so many things wrong with this. And you're like, and at a certain point, you got to know that that is, that is what, that is, the, you know, the, 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 that is the great thing about Joni. She's so bent on doing a good job that she never thinks the job has been done well enough. Anyway, so blah, blah, blah. Your show looks great, though. So well, congratulations. And, yeah. and it, it really has to do with uh, Nate being, you know, the, he, he's done some things with the camera that we've never done. 
And uh, more importantly, it's what Joni does. Is your phone ringing? It's it's beeping or something. What's up with that? I'll sit on it. And why in God's name are you wearing a Santa hat? Can we address this? And you have two cell phones. Why do you have two cell phones and a Santa hat? And the Santa hat. I like the... Come on. I've been wearing the Santa hat for years during the month of December. I really always have. Do you not remember? No. Do you just block out my visits to the studio? Yes. (laughs) No, I've always worn a Santa hat. I know it's radio and people are weird, so like I, I didn't really notice that you were wearing a Santa hat until now, but... No, I've, I've always worn a Santa hat uh, uh, during the month of December. I have for years and years and years. Just as like a personal style statement? It's don't just, get me wrong. I'm not passing judgment. No, I mean, that's nice to show your merriment. Yeah. I, I was thinking more like I don't have to brush my hair for a month. Do you wash the hat? Well, I wash the hat and the hair. See, we try to give you a have and you make it into a have not. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're I, trying to make it like a, like a like slice of... a crazy person. <laughs> a slice of personal aesthetic choice. You're like, and I don't like to bathe. <laughs> All right. I do have a shopping cart up front. So you're in 1.5 million households with the new TV show helmed by Joni DeRoshi, filmed by Nate Baker, hosted by yourself, and you got the radio show soon to be three hours. Uh, and so you and I were talking about this that you just uh, that automotive, the automotive world and the pop culture world intersect in a lot of ways that like sports and pop culture intersect. Yes. Where like I don't know a whole lot about sports, but I know about like uh, you know uh, the Rumble in the Jungle. You know what I mean? I don't know a lot about sports, but I know all about that time, uh, you know, in 98 uh, when Jordan stole from Malone and then did the defensive steal and then the offensive three-point shot uh, to win over the Jazz at the final buzzer. I know all that stuff because they're big moments. So you, though, are able to take that with the car world and to sort of bring it into the world of pop culture. So I don't know if we ever came up with a, with a name for this bit. Well, we're going to be like 500 things you didn't know about cars or some crap? Well, it was, yeah, basically we were going to try to do, we could take the, uh, you know, the low-lying fruit and say the 970 things you don't know about, well, uh, about automotive. But, uh, you know, it's, a lot of people always wonder what the first pony car was. And I mean... I don't know what a pony car is. Okay, well, let me... Does it let go me, with beer? Uh, well, that would be a kid. Does it go rumble with, uh, does it go rumble with the other... Uh, Outsiders. Oh, outsiders. Yes, ah, I they, choked. No, no. no. What is there. a pony car? Uh, well, a pony car is like a Mustang, Camaro, Challenger. The cars that were, uh, they were first designed uh, to be as the Mustang was to be a secretary's car. That was the idea behind the car. It was simple, easy to drive, and they became, you know, they became these uh, rip snorting, you know, high horsepower cars. Is a pony car the same thing as a muscle car? Well, I mean, that's a de- that's that's always been that's a never ending debate. It's uh, you know, it's. Some people say muscle cars are one genre of big-bodied cars, like an Impala. Um, other people say pony cars are like the Mustang Camaro. But, you know, we were talking about that the other day. I was like, what car was the first pony car? Now, a lot of people say uh, the Plymouth, the people from Plymouth would say that it was the uh, Barracuda. But it'd be the question is, you know, what is the first pony car? And it was the Mustang. I mean, no matter how many people are Camaro fans out there, Challenger fans, um, it's certainly the Mustang, and it's one of those iconic cars that has, has come back into the into the industry. And it's funny because there's so much hype about what's going on in the automotive industry with the bailouts and the and the UAW unions. I was talking about it with Richie, and he's like, "Well, what's the big problem?" And I go, "Well, the problem with GM is they have a hundred thousand employees plus that are you know guys who are making eighty ninety grand a year that are on full disability, and then they'll get a pension after that." Right, right. And that's the thing is because I saw a story on a guy, and this is a true story. The guy was working in assembly line, UAW plant, GM, cuts his out to, outside two fingers off on his left hand. Right. Not even his writing hand. You know I mean? Like, as long as he can sign checks. Yeah. I mean, well, that's all he's got to do is cash him because he's getting paid almost 90 grand a year. He's like 47 years old. And for the rest of his life, until 62, he'll make almost 90 grand a year. And I told Richie, I said, where's the knife? Because I'll, I'll go join a union right now and cut off a couple said, Behold the power of collective bargaining. I guess so. I mean, if I have to cut a couple fingers off to get 90 grand a year, I'm like, get the, get the cleaver. Let's go. Excellent. The, uh, wow. All right. Uh, let's get a few calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 
Hey, Rick. What's up? Uh, you're talking about Issei Morales being yes, on La Bamba. Uh, oh, on Obama? Oh, La Bamba. Okay, La yes. Bamba. Hey, why didn't anybody do it? La, 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 Obama. He was also the original captain on NYPD Blue. Issei Morales was? Yes, he was. Uh, see, in my head, he's always like 16 years old because I remember Stan and Delivery. He's like one of those, he's like Ricky Schroeder. When they put Rick Schroeder on NYPD Blue, and I was yep. just trying to like, really? And I couldn't quite take him seriously. All right, duly noted, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, right. every time I would see him on that show, all I could see him was like riding into the station on his little tiny train. On a train with Alfonso Ribeiro breakdancing behind him. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, What's Dennis, up? I was wondering, what, do you, what are you thinking about this, like uh, the, the, the dumping of the big three? Is it going to change, like, car and driver television, um, the magazines? Um, is this going to make... Uh, oh, that's true, because there's a whole cottage industry about around the American car industry. I, I personally think, and it's not a popular opinion, but we have got to bail them out. And, and it's not because... I want to spend money on people who have jets. And there's a story uh, circulating that Rick Wagner, the head of GM, is actually driving an electric Volt, right, one of the right. new cars, to the Congress. Right. But I believe that they ha we have to bail the industry out because if you don't, it's not just the ripples in the pond from the one little pebble. It, that will, it will be a catastrophic damage to our economy if these people go down. I don't want to pay for it, but uh, every industry, no matter how much you think it doesn't connect to autos, will be affected. Do you, now, isn't G, is GM the one that killed the electric car in the first place? Well, I mean, that's they had... Uh, that was the Masons. That was the... Yeah, there's a whole story behind right. that. Uh, we could spend hours on that. But, you know, it's just... It's a thing where I think we have to do it, and it's unfortunate, but we have to. All right, Dennis uh, Pitsenbarger, Miles Around 9 to 11, soon to be 9 to noon. And, of course, uh, Miles Around Television, uh, which is... Uh, yourself, Dennis. Oh, uh, Sportsnet. Saturday's 9 o'clock, Comcast uh, Sportsnet. Get down there, listen to me, Big Jim James, right here on this studio every Saturday morning from 9 to 11, go. soon to be 9 to noon, and then Sportsnet, Comcast, Channel 37, all over the Pacific Northwest. And if you get a chance, go watch me uh, go in circles in my dirt race car this weekend down Salem Indoor. All right, there you go. All right, wash your hair. Sorry. Uh, we want to thank uh, CNN Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins, Steve Castabon. We want to thank Joe Pickett from the F Found Film Footage Festival. Some combination of those words. And Dennis Pittsburgh from Miles Around Radio and television. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970, the talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds, like is three, that is next, mild, uh, mild, Mike O'Mara at seven, we'll see you all tomorrow at the 10th of the recap, 11 for the show, thanks for listening, be safe, watch over snakes, bye now.